Hey there. I wanted to let you know about an easy way to support this show and also the network of shows that uh, it is a part of. Uh, if you go to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar, you can use the Amazon link there to do your normal online shopping. And the cool thing is uh, we get a small percentage of whatever you buy uh, or the profit, uh, you know, just like a cut of whatever. You, you know what I mean. Um, uh, it doesn't cost you anything extra. It's the same old Amazon. And uh, that goes a long way towards helping cover hosting and the like. And that is in addition to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and all the other stuff. Now, let's get into an episode that will surely get us in trouble. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. Where did you happen upon this coal? This is much too dark. I see the abyss in it. Yet, a smith I remain. I won't turn down a request. But forget not. Your fight is for the flame and for your fellow kin, just like mine. A cursed fate this may be. But hope remains, does it not? My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. My name is James Carter. And you're listening to Bonfire Side Chat. It is a uh, profaned favorite. <laughs> and this <laughs> week we are talking, uh, this is a twofer, we're talking about the Irithel Dungeon and the Profaned Capital uh, for episode 100, this auspicious oh, yeah. occasion. Didn't even realize that. Yeah, I know, right? Well, what an honorific to... <laughs> To go to this 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 zone, we made it. It's we're we're done. Yeah. This is it. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and as you heard, uh, we're joined by uh, by James Carter of the Canon uh, uh, Rinse Podcasting Collective. Absolutely, yes, yeah. We, we're uh, nearing five years of uh, podcasting at Canon Rinse now. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, closing yeah, in on episode two hundred and fifty, which will be on Bloodborne, fittingly. Oh wow! Uh, so, oh, very cool. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, thanks a lot uh, for joining us, James. Um, no, it's my absolute pleasure. And episode 100. What an absolute treat. Yeah. 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 How um, can you talk a little bit about? Um, so we, we, we've had um, Joshua on before and we announced the last yes. episode we were going to have uh, Josh on this episode as well. Something has come up. Um, so he was unable to join us. So yeah. uh, the roundabout way of saying, um, you know, that people who are listening are probably uh, already at least a little bit familiar with Kane Rents. But for those who are not, can you speak a little bit to that? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, Cane Rinse was set up by three fairly well-established UK podcasters after their in their separate shows kind of ended uh, sort of five years ago now. Um, and they sort of came together and set up a show that, uh, the premise of which will be familiar to listeners of, of uh, your podcasts, actually, which is uh, each uh, week we take a different game, usually single game, sometimes group you know, several together in a series. Uh, and we take a sort of two-hour deep dive on everything to do with that game, its development, its history, its legacy, and the game itself and what we thought of it. And uh, we usually try and stick to games that are not out right now. They've been out for, you know, around a year or two, many, many years, more than that sometimes, um, just so that we can kind of get a holistic view of, of what the game is and not a, an initial reaction or, uh, you know, not 
not lose out on the sort of long tail response to the game and the way it was received and etc. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, and and that as I say has been going five years now, so closing in on two hundred and fiftieth episode. So. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's great fun. There's, uh, I think, at the moment, nine of us in the podcast team. It's it's floated around the nine or ten. Uh, so each week it won't be the same uh, the same people on. So we get to kind of tailor the the crew to the to the game and uh, really make sure that the people who are on have something to say about the game in question and uh, hopefully have time to play some of the longer games because uh, I'm sure as you guys. Uh, have struggled with in the in the past <laughs> when it's uh, an eighty hour RPG. It makes it tough to get people who've had to play a game for a podcast one week to to then be ready to to talk about something like that the next week. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a uh, it's a pro subscribe, I think, and it's you know the the, the quality is amazing. But also, you guys don't just cover the uh, um, you know the obvious things like you know I I listen to the sensible sensible world of soccer episodes. Uh, that from... was a really, really good. We have had lots of good feedback about that because it's a game that I think for people in the UK and possibly in, in Europe specifically where uh, soccer, football for us, is kind of a, a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a game that there's a lot of nostalgia attached to. But then you get people who aren't so familiar with that game or, or the sport. Uh, and to hear very enthusiastic, almost fetishization <laughs> of a game like that that may they may not be aware of at all. Uh, it's a bit like listening to people talk about vinyl uh, music <laughs> yeah. records and stuff. Uh, you know, there, there's kind of that. It's just, I hope, uh, and I think is uh, interesting to listen to and intriguing to hear about, even oh. if it's something you, you've never heard about before, you know, a game you've never heard about before. Oh, it certainly is. And I, I'm definitely in the latter camp, but like just uh, the, the, the fact that you guys kind of, you know, zig and zag and it's kind of unpredictable what you're going to do. You guys, you know, whoever is in charge of programming that um, gets a gets a huge variety in there. And it's always interesting. Yeah. Leon, Tony and Jay, the, mm-hmm. the three founders, uh, do an absolutely stellar job of keeping the rest of us at the top of our game, I think. So nice. Yeah. It's really neat, um, you know, because the, the one thing that I like about where what we've kind of done with podcasting here where like, you know, so we do bonfireside chat and then, um, so, you know, other shows have, have kind of come up that do similar things. Um, you know, yes. so you, so you have your, uh, you know, your twin humanities and you don't give up skeletons and <laughs> stuff, but nobody covers things from the same perspective. And I, I like that there is Kanan rinse yes. because so we do, we do watch out for fireballs and they're exactly. really similar premises. Um, <laughs> but like they feel really, really different in a way that I don't feel I've never felt, um, you know, somebody somebody asked me on Twitter when uh, I think it might have been the first time I heard about it, and they could, they could have been joking, but they're like, "Hey, these dudes are biting your stees," uh, and I and I've, I've never felt I was just like, "Oh no, this is this is great." Yeah, like this this is really really cool, and of course the world can support something like that. There are literally like hundreds of thousands of games that are worth talking about. You know, probably. I mean, you know, if you get go deep yeah. enough, you know, like you, you get yeah. maybe not hundreds of thousands. That's an exaggeration, but there there are plenty. There are enough to where you know, I'll die before I get to talk about every game I want to talk about. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah, yeah, it, there, it's a big enough pool. So yeah. I am way into the fact that there is this uh, kind of other other approach. And it's also very novel to me just that it is somebody from another country doing the kind of the same thing. Yeah. And exactly. I don't, yeah, yeah. yeah I kind of like it. it well, it, yeah, yeah, it means that obviously there are different games that would have been big in our particular um, country and, and not in others, but also it's different take on the same games that maybe are 
you know, from Japan or something like that, you know. So mm-hmm. it's it's external to both of our sensibilities, and we just have completely different takes on it because of our our different uh, circumstances and culture, etc. So yeah. and cultural response to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one because um, the first I heard of you guys was was this show, but obviously you were already well established by then, um, and the the notion of looking at older games and talking about those. Uh, and focusing on one game per episode rather than the what have you been playing weekly kind of magazine show, I guess, mm-hmm. um, that, that a lot of other people do, uh, is not particular to video games by any stretch of the imagination. There are film podcasts and have been similar, you know, magazine magazine articles and, and uh, TV shows and websites and all sorts uh, following that kind of uh, premise. Uh, but, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. Even just on Souls podcasts, the flavour of each of them is so wildly different that something that sounds like it should be treading on the toes <laughs> of someone else or copying someone else or however you want to put that, actually there's space for a, a unique and individual take on it or a you know, different voice uh, yeah. to be there. I for, I for sure think so. Um, how, how did you, uh, how'd you get into the, the Souls game specifically? Uh, so... Because of the staggered release date of Demon Souls, uh, a podcast I was listening to back in 2009-2010 called Big Red Potion, uh, which is no longer uh, around now, but at the time, uh, and and still is one of my all-time favourite podcasts, uh, they managed to wangle a situation where Demon Souls won their Game of the Year two years in a row, um, <laughs> because the US and Japanese releases were 2009, but the European wasn't until 2010. So mm. uh, that, that's a pretty strong indication that maybe there's <laughs> something there. So uh, January 2010, I picked up Demon Souls, which was, uh, beg your pardon, January 2011, because it would have been after uh, it got Game of the Year 2010 mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. podcast. Um, and it's a game I'd heard about. Uh, on podcasts, and, and it, it kind of had that Marmite effect amongst sort of mainstream video game <laughs> media. Where That's some a people really saying, good way to put it. Yeah, mm-hmm. some people were saying it's it's just hard for the sake of hard, and it's badly designed. And I remember at the time, uh, Arthur Geese was quite a big uh, critic of the controls and the way it played versus something like uh, Ninja Gaiden that he's a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And... Those games are obviously chalk and cheese. They're not trying to do the same thing by any stretch, but uh, it meant that it wasn't all positivity around Demon Souls to me. But the people who were positive were incredibly positive enough that, uh, as I say, I picked up what was over here—the Black Phantom Edition, which was kind of the uh, the special edition version of the game with the sort of guide and the red sort of uh, red uh, cover art and and stuff like that. Yeah, it's real. That's um, real cool. Yeah, that we had because we had different publisher, and that was Namco publishing that in Europe, um, whereas it was Atlas in the US and uh, and Sony obviously in in Japan. So, uh, I think that's right. Um, so yeah, we we had obviously a. a I, I was a bit later coming to that, partly because of when it came out in Europe and just when I got to it, yeah. and I ended up for a couple of years pretty much kind of picking my way through Demon Souls. Uh, I started Dark Souls the day it came out, but I, I kind of wanted to stick to Demon Souls and play them in order. Um, and it was a real kind of slow burn. I loved Demon Souls, but I never really played more than an hour at a time before I thought, no, I need to <laughs> step back and calm down. Came back two weeks later, 
far from the ideal way to play it, but it just it got its hooks into me almost one at a time over a year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by the time I got to Dark Souls, I, I was just all in on the series um, and finished that in 2013 in time to host the the Dark Souls episode of Kane and Rince. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of destroyed my video gaming mm-hmm. for, uh, for a couple of years there, 2013, 2014. And probably last year as well, it just became a default was, I'm not feeling this game, I'm just going to go and play some Dark Souls, or Dark Souls 2, or Bloodborne, you know. Um, So yeah, I played the series in order and became just a ridiculous fan of the games. The, I guess it's the age-old adage of, you know, I've, I've put hundreds and hundreds of hours into the series, and as many more reading about and listening to people talk about and watching videos about the series as well. Because <laughs> uh, it's one of those where, a bit like when you're at university or college and they say, oh, you need to do as many hours reading as you do in class. Uh, and uh, and so, yeah, <laughs> I, I took that to heart with, uh, with the Souls games as well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been a massive fan for a long, long, long time. Uh, not right back to, to when it first came out, but certainly back uh, five, six years at this point. So. Mm. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, and and there is no uh, there's no malice in bringing you on specifically for this area or anything. It wasn't <laughs> like uh, you know we well, we got a real real difficult kind of unfinished area in this. Let's let's get James in, on this. In, um, in 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 fairness, the the the, the shitty unfinished area is only uh, like thirty percent of this. That's true. Like yeah, the other part is is very cool. Yeah, I, I also <laughs> and I admit I needed to find somebody who was not going to like you know, just argue with me about secret the entire time. And <laughs> I know from listening to Kenan, Kenan Rince, even if you disagree with me about it, uh, you're, you're polite. Uh, <laughs> oh, so yeah, no, that, that's yeah. some of the best conversations are when there is a disagreement there and you can try and not even mm-hmm. bridge that gap, but at least just try and work out why the gap exists. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah I, um, I remember that from listening to just re- uh, listening to the dark souls two episode yeah, where you had exactly. uh, CJ, who is, you know, friend of the show and has been on the show. Mm. Um, who is you know quite the Dark Souls two evangelist and um, was at least a, a minor minority uh, on that episode, but the way that uh, that was handled like was just very smooth and no hurt feelings and it was pretty nice. It was uh, I like yeah, how exactly yeah. you know, it, it <laughs> ended up being uh, we ended up with five people on that show, which is more than we usually have on a, on an issue of King Runs, uh, just because it becomes difficult if you're recording individual feeds to edit them all together afterwards. For sure, mm-hmm. you know the more feeds it, it literally kind of doubles the time each extra feed you add in that you're going to spend editing it um and i I ended up kind of pitching you know can we have an extra person this because i really want cj to be on we're kind of lucky at kin rinse to have nine or ten people on the podcast crew and about half of them have completed all if not kind of most of the souls games which you know Mm -hmm. is kind of really nice percentage when you kind of think about the reputation these games had at the beginning (laughs) uh and, and kind of all the way through. Um, and so uh, we, we had a full crew, even without a guest, but I wanted CJ on there because I knew he was uh, very passionate. Uh, it's not that the rest of us didn't have positive things to say, but I knew the tone was going to be less enthusiastic than the previous show on, on Demon Souls and the one before on Dark Souls. Now we did the first two uh, kind of out of order. Um, and I, I knew I wanted that voice that, would speak to the passion that maybe some of the rest of us didn't feel. Mm-hmm. 
and it worked wonders. I mean, anyone yeah. listening to this has heard CJ and knows uh, <laughs> how wonderful uh, Gent he is. And um, yeah, he just did a fantastic job uh, of of explaining why a game that, yeah, there are things about it that even CJ admits weren't great for him, mm-hmm. but still just had such a, a profound effect on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Cole, what did we uh, what did we do last time? Well, last time, um, well, we talked about PvP, but the actual previous area that we talked about. So we went below the catacombs of Carthus to find the former seat of Isolith in the smoldering lake and the demon ruins. Um, and now we turn our uh, we turn our attention to a different subterranean ruin and a different kind of flame. Yes, yeah, and and a lot of the lore stuff we're going to talk about for this uh, specifically applies <clears throat> to the profaned capital. Um, the Irithyll dungeon, there's ties to think that this is actually part of the capital and not part of Irithyll. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we're not entirely sure, but there's less about the dungeon. There's still some things about the dungeon. There's yeah. more about the capital. Yeah, the, the, uh, the dungeon is the incredibly interesting vestibule. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. This is this is the waiting room. Uh, the the uh, waiting room where you can't sit down because there's a face already sitting there um, in any given seat. The uh, So, yeah. So this is the profane capital, and um, we know it was once ruled over by conquering insurgents, uh, which we are led to believe um, were giants of one kind or another because of the boss right. of this area, who is a giant. Um, <laughs> the city was populated by these flame-worshipping uh, kind of mystics. There's a really strong sorcery element, um, and eventually uh, came to be led by the descendant of the conquerors, Yorm the Giant. Um, even though he was kind of made fun of and teased <laughs> and not yeah. totally accepted. The, the, the reverence for him as a, as a ruler was kind of insincere. His, yes, uh, like, his you're a lord. <laughs> like, like what, a, what a weird, like, that, that whole thing where it's like they're calling him a lord in jest. Like, <laughs> was, oh, you're classic, a real lord ascender. <laughs> classic tabloid journalism. <laughs> the, the people literally asked him to be the lord. They yeah. literally asked him to take rule. And uh, then they just decided to tear him down. It's unbelievable. <laughs> no. Shameless. Shameless. No. Uh, <laughs> yes, my liege. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is where the this is where the uh, story gets a little bit foggy because so many of the item descriptions on their face contradict each other um, in a way yeah. that I can't quite reconcile. But this is the version of this that I put together. So these mystics, um, <laughs> they unleash this primal force called the profaned flame, or at least by their worship of this flame, they allowed it to happen. Something, uh, you know, a flame that has been corrupted by the abyss. Um, and so Yorm, their leader, became a lord of cinder while trying to uh, stop its corrupting uh, its corrupting influence, right? He linked the fire in order to kind of save his city. But in the process, um, it kind of went critical and rained fire from the sky of the capital, a kind of fire that would only uh, set flame to human flesh. Yes. Yep. The best kind of fire. <laughs> the um, There's also, so this is when we say it gets foggy, um, we there's literally there's two item descriptions there's one that says that yorm became a lord of cinder in order to put out the flame um one of which says that the flame went crazy when he became a lord of cinder Mm -hmm. so there's two contradictory things that say you know so the timeline is really difficult and then there's one other item that mentions these mystics Mm, right um so that's just literally comes out of nowhere um with one kind of obscure item that says like no it was actually caused by these people so the, the the answer is we don't know (laughs) <laughs> you know, like we don't actually know what happened here other than the fact that there was a cataclysm. The more you try to focus in on it, the more swimmy it gets. Um, it's a little bit like an optical illusion yeah. uh, kind of thing. Um, we do know a little bit how this ties um, to Aerithil, though. Um, so at some point when and this was long ago, so that also kind of 
convolutes the timeline because we know all of this stuff happened way in the past, even for Dark Souls 3 standards, because this happened when Sullivan was a young priest, right. uh, way before he has crowned himself pontiff. Um, he stumbled upon the profane capital and harnessed the power of the flame for himself, um, setting him on the course to build, uh, you know, kind of build up Irithyll and set these events that we saw in motion. And we mm-hmm. see his uh, witches and his agents use the profane flame uh, in their wands and stuff. That's the first mention, yeah. uh, mention we get of this. Yeah. Um, do you... So the uh, the dungeon, this Irithyll dungeon, is kind of strange because the people who are there are descendants from the profaned capital. Yeah, they're like uh, refugees. They're not Irithylians. Right, they're so refugees I, that were taken in by Sullivan and taken into his service. Yeah, so, so I don't know if this is... That this is something that Sullivan did or if he's just kind of, like named it there's there's not very there's no irithyll ties in irithyll dungeon right really other than that flame which kind of ties one way back right you know so i always kind of thought of the dungeon as probably being part of the capital beforehand and just geographically kind of weird yeah with it. the uh, the biggest tie to elsewhere is the fact that inside the dungeon as you go deeper there are kind of these elements that i could see being interpreted as kind of dangerous to uh uh to the rule of sullivan um, such mm. as Carla or, you know, kind of like some, you know, these people um, who have been imprisoned. You see the lycanthrope um, down in the dungeon or see also um, any of these kind of like abominations yeah. uh, that are and, down and here. And I guess technically the entrance to uh, the Arch Dragon Peak mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is there as well. So they've isolated that so that, you, you, you know, you can't come out of there without having to come through the dungeon. Um, but also in the dungeon, the, the prisoners aren't necessarily from the profaned capital because they're just either kind of regular peasant uh, hollows or there's uh what are they called the corpse yeah the reanimated corpses like you find in the uh in the graveyard outside of the cathedral it's, of the deep exactly yeah, that. yeah they have the kind of uh, maggots mm-hmm. on them yeah um the, and also when you get kind of further down beyond that into the part of the profane capital that is a church because you've got a manor, then a dungeon, then a church, then a profane capital. Mm. It's really weirdly laid out, but um, you've got some creatures in there that are from Erythil as well. So there's kind of some beings came up from the profane capital and some were sent down from Erythil to be kept there. Yeah, to be interred. Like Arla, yeah. presumably, but yeah, it's uh, it's really weird. Yeah. Um, it- and and there, there's a there, there's a reason to believe that uh, that the profane capital has always been below the uh, the the valley, um, because yes. the description of uh, I, I believe it is Sullivan's greatsword talks about him finding this uh, this ever burning flame below the boreal valley. Oh yeah, but yeah, I mean, that would have been building Erythil on top of it in theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and that would have been after the collapse though, right. as well when he found the flame. Yes. Because if he found the flame when it was still active then this would have been a story about a war or something like that as <laughs> right. opposed to. So yeah. I assume that, you know, this, so the reason um, I ended up watching um, and something I recommend for, for everybody, the reason why the detail that makes me think that this was an Irithyll uh, dungeon rather than that is um, show alum and, and friend of the show, uh, Richard Pillbeam has done like a, like a thing, a collaboration series of YouTube where it's just him going through the areas and kind of asking questions, but he brings that, you know, attention to visual detail that he does with his bloodborne stuff yeah um on there i really recommend these if, if anyone hasn't seen them but the um the a lot of the uh, dead prisoners that are in the earth dungeon have uh like coins on them right 
you know, and we know this kind of one thing we know about the profane capital is it was incredibly like wealthy, right? You know, um, mm-hmm. it is, uh, you, and literally like down to you finding rusted coins, all that ever, just <laughs> out in the world, and then uh, which is the worst reward, um, <laughs> and is not worth fighting a mimic for. Um, but the uh, you you know you find all that stuff down there, so that's why why he thought that. There's also all of the statues in it are kind of pointing skyward, right? In a way that, like, it would not make sense for them to be pointing towards the roof of a cave. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, looking up and looking, look at that, nothing. You know, void. Like, it would make sense for there to be something in the sky. Um, we also know that the profaned flame rained down from the sky. Yeah. So, at some point, it was not uh, not underground. Right. Um, so, there, there was sky at some point. But, again, that chronology is, you know, makes no sense. And, like, Carla being locked up there... We we know so little about Carla other than that she's a abyss associated, mm-hmm. and the uh, this whole area has a lot of abyss associations as well. Yeah, but I mean, nothing up to concrete. the point where people outright link it to Ulysseal. Yeah, that's weird to me. Yeah. I don't know, especially mm-hmm. once we have we have an Ulysseal, like <laughs> you know, more or less like, and just because you know something being abyss associated, there are several like areas that are abyss associated in here. Yeah. I've also heard it read that this was you know. The chaos flame just kind of mutated too, and there's no connection other than that's a flame. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people believe this was Carthus, and there's no connection other than the fact that Wolnir was a conqueror and Yorm was a conqueror. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just a lot of like just kind of one line that does not a lattice make. Yeah, uh, well, and, and, and also redundancy too. Yeah. So I, I wonder if part of that is so. I mean, in in like item descriptions that talk about the profane flame and, and Yorm trying to uh, link the fire in order to quell the profane flame. And then does it not actually just say that fire rained from the sky? It doesn't even actually, I don't think, I might be wrong, say that it was the profane flame that rained from the sky. And what you end up with is, okay, so you've got the first flame, you've got the chaos flame that came out of the Witch of Isolus attempt to to recreate that. You've then got the profane flame, which we don't really know where it came from, except it's abyss-associated. Right. And, and there are abyss-associated... Um, pyromancies as well so you know with the hex crossover in, in uh, the fir- our first encounter with the abyss yeah. and then you've also mm. got this fire that rained from, from the sky I, I can understand people wanting to kind of condense some of that down <laughs> but to get yeah. back to you had the original first flame which could not be recreated, it exists in and of itself um, and then you have the chaos flame that was an attempt to recreate that that went horribly wrong and spawned demons. And now suddenly you've got two, potentially three other types of flame. It yeah. just, it, I, I yeah. can understand wanting to condense all that down and find the one item description or line or reason that they may have just conjured up that kind of brings that back down, pairs it back down to, you know, the two original flames, if you like. It, it's, it's really, it, it's an area that really underlines that, kind of frustration with this because we also have the definition of kind of giants or what giants are really muddied up by this as well by introducing like the third type of giant uh (laughs) yes we're gonna see in this game that does not map on to fourth type of giant we're gonna see on this game actually which Mm -hmm. like doesn't map on to like the giants that we know from the prequel you know the predecessors to this and not only but also yorm comes from is the descendant of a conqueror mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. evokes immediately the giant lord from from dark souls 2 yes and which, which looks would make... like the giant lord from dark souls 2 but then we're <laughs> kind of 
kind of told that it's not. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, th- and, and, then and, it and again, you've got giants that kind of look, you know, that kind of could be seen to be related to him up in Erythil as well, which kind mm-hmm. of suggests, well, did he send them from the profaned capital to attack? Or, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's got this whole Dark Souls 2 kind of giant human or, or giant uh, other being war. But, but not th- really, that's and not they're mentioned. not the same giants. Yeah. And, yeah. It, or it, there would just be one item description that said, like, the war that came to the profane capital or something like that. It's very weird for history to work that way, where there's something quite that big, or like the oh, Dark Souls history, where there's something quite that big that isn't doesn't even get a line. Right. You know, doesn't even get a, get a name, doesn't get an allusion um, to it. That yeah. ends up making it feel like a lot like, again, just there's like one strand, you know. Um, and then this area to kind of add to that frustration is this area has weird connections to other later areas that I can puzzle out less, you know, like the gargoyles here that are in their descriptions and stuff. Everything we know about them is they're created to protect the profane capital. Uh, (laughs) It's not like they don't show up on the roof of the archives. (laughs) Like they're around. Um, We, I just, I get this frustration that like, you know, this is the area that makes me want a scholar style remix of this that stops some of that. Right. You know, or clarify some of it because like it is not outside of the realm of possibility that after the profaned capital had its thing and Sullivan dipped his toes in it, some gargoyles went up to Irithil and then made the travel over to Lothric mm-hmm. to to I guess post up and yeah. help out, you know? Because <laughs> things do like help any time in this game. <laughs> but like it is just it, it, there's just nothing there for it though. Like, there's no text to support it. And it, yeah. it kind of drives me drives me bonkers a little bit yeah and this yeah. this very story about a uh, a flame run amok was a major plot point in the first game in the series and anything yeah. like this you know it's uh, kind, of, kind of the center right like this could be an act of hubris in a story that is kind of like dotted with these acts of hubris right especially regarding these lords and just so little point is made of it, at least to kind of clarify or even define the terms so that there's not this kind of cross-contamination. It yeah. is it is DLC uh, fodder, for sure. Like, not maybe not, maybe not Ashes of Ariandel, but whatever the second one is, like, it could deal with the profane flame and kind of make that make, that make sense. It mm-hmm. also feels very similar to me to the, um, you know, Aldrich Dreaming of the Deep Sea, mm-hmm. um, you know, this game as a turning point as opposed to a finale thing yeah. where like this could have been things to set up this idea of this undying flame that is abyss touched. You know, if we're, we're at some point we are going to move into this age of the deep sea, or we're going to move into this new paradigm, you know, that would make sense to me as well. Mm-hmm. You know, light and dark uh, is one way to just kind of set this paranoia or this, uh, this dichotomy and then water and flame could have been another way to set it up. And that could have been dark souls four and five. If it was a turning point in the series rather than, you know, an ending for the series. Right. I, th- I think uh, part of the, part of the issue maybe with, with, uh, with that is if, if the profane flame is going to be subject uh, or a subject of one of the DLCs and you're, you're absolutely right, Gary, it, it's perfectly possible that they could kind of make this make sense. But on the other hand, could they, if there's stuff that is actually contradictory already in there, <laughs> how, how, how do you write that out? You just have a storyline about confused historians, you know? It's, yeah, it's, it's very it's bizarre. History, history. Um, 
Yeah. Well, no, just uh, what I see happening is almost like a Bloodborne situation where instead of tying up the loose ends, they just resolve them by providing this other a kind better of more, story. Yeah. Another more resonant example sure. of the way yeah. this stuff could have worked yeah. out. Yeah. And then just the, the other stuff, exa- you know, lives on uh, vestigially. And and all of this is presupposing that the second DLC won't just be Artorias at the Abyss again. <laughs> like, the, like yeah. I, I'm kind of joking but i really would not be surprised if it is not just artorias focused and it would it would suck but it's like i just don't trust them not to go back to the dark souls one well when that is what they like doing so 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 much you know rather than expanding on the world they've actually like the new world that they built it's like it is it's it's also what we've asked for as a community as a whole yeah like i guess that's true like (laughs) it's it's very popular you know it is uh it is weird it is weird to come to this and be like you know what i didn't want a sequel to dark souls one i just wanted you know i wanted a world sequel i didn't want a a direct sequel and and this is the monkey's paw version of that because like (laughs) yeah nobody nobody loves the painted world more than me and i don't want to go back there um the also this is the uh the finale so yorm who we talked about a bunch um he now he's burned his kingdom he is alone on this uh this throne um, a few people have survived. A few people have escaped up until the dungeon. Um, however, uh, he something is wrong with Yorm. He's got the glow eye. He has abyss touched. He is not mm-hmm. fulfilling his duty. And uh, this is the climax to Sigurd's quest line, which is the longest uh, quest line in this game. Um, you know, or at least as long as Henri's. Um, so we also get the finale of that. Right. Yes. I, I um, think the the thing of note about that NPC quest line is it's as long as Henri's and. For as bizarre and delicate as Henri's is, you actually have to travel backwards through the game to complete this one. (laughs) That's that's a really bizarre thing. At least any time I've successfully triggered it, I've had to go backwards uh, in order to make sure that what needs to happen happens. And in Henri's quest, I don't think I had to do that. No, you don't it, necessarily have to. You can end up doing that, but you don't have to do that. So, yeah, it's very bizarre. That they they both game been passed quite a so, bit. Yeah, 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 sure. But in a game that's focused more than perhaps any other in the series except Bloodborne on it being a relatively linear path driving you forward, to then ask you to go back when there's no other reason to is, is kind of bizarre. But, yeah. Rendered that with uh, with Cirrus, too, a little bit. Oh, yes, you know, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, her questline literally goes backwards through the game, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, that and that always felt whenever something like that happens, where it feels like the developers are expecting you to backtrack in an area where you never have to because of teleporting no bonfires. Yeah. It makes me wonder if those were designed before the decision to make teleporting bonfires yeah. were implemented. Um, yeah, you know, whether who, that's who kind of the patch afterwards, just to kind of make the game work, is what we're just going to have to teleport. Yeah. Yeah, who 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 can know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So let's uh, let's talk, start talking about stuff that's actually in here because as much as I've been mm, kind of yeah. poopy on uh, the profane capital, I really love Irithyll Dungeon itself. Yeah. Um, we get here. We found this bonfire before the distant manor, um, as it's called, and uh, this is just kind of like a little basement to that house with the silver knights and uh, and the picture of uh, Guinevere right um, in it. Um, and we just kind of fight some some regular Irithyll enemies. There's nothing. So much to these rooms, uh, but when you head down to this kind of cliffside to actually get into the dungeon, um, we actually do get an, an, and that's one of the things that, for me, kind of draws the connection between Irithyll and the Irithyll dungeon a little bit in question, too, is that, mm-hmm. like, they're not actually connected. Um, you actually leave 
and come back. Like there's a stair set there, but it's not like this is the basement of a castle mm-hmm. um, in there. Um, but we run into a character from Dark Souls 2. Yeah, this is our old friend Alba. Mm-hmm. He is no longer the Wayfarer. Now he is the Seeker of the Spurned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, he has apparently given up his quest to find the cure for Sanseretta's sickness and is now, um, you know, according to most of the things that I've seen or just suppositions, here to uh, to find Carla. Hmm. Yeah. Which is evocative of, I forget, the particular sort of side storyline in... Dark Souls Two. There is a witch that is. It's the same one. It's uh, it's yeah, it, it's, it's the, uh, implied to be the same witch. Yeah, yeah. Who, who attempted kind of to fo- like following someone whose love has been spurned type thing. I, I forget, but spurned definitely evoked that, and having Alva there as well, and the way that Carla looks uh, in terms of her appearance. Yeah, it mm-hmm. kind of all felt very. This is straight Dark Souls Two, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh these dots were connected by actually a listener, Elodie, um, who mm. uh who wrote in with this. We're gonna get to that in the uh uh when we get to Carla and then also in the uh in the appendix here. But um yeah. like that is the I, I I buy the connection, actually, just because yeah. because yeah. the witch is also mentioned. Like she came in and attempted to tempt him away from the quest, but they ended up uh working together. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um if you want his stuff, you have to fight him yeah. uh here. So if you fight him, his stuff will appear later if yep. you want his uh, pretty baller equipment. Yeah, it's, uh, um, it looks pretty cool. And also it is lighter than uh, like the Faram set. Yeah, because so. it's had uh, metal cut away mm-hmm. from it in the description. All this set was one of my favorites in um, in Dark Souls 2, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is, it's, it's really good looking. It cuts such a cool silhouette. Yeah. I love the color. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really detailed as well. It looks really cool. <laughs> um, and then we go into uh, Latria. <laughs> um like yeah. tower like this is uh you know we actually go into the dungeon um it's kind of set up similar to latria it's like mini latria <laughs> um because like I, I recently replayed uh demon souls and uh three one is so sprawling and long like it is one of the <laughs> longest levels uh in and this uh if you don't find the shortcut ends up feeling very long as well but the actual dungeon part is pretty compact Right by, um, by yeah. volume, it's not very big. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's still you get a little miniature Latria experience where you have to kind of, you know, go into one way, find a key, head <laughs> back, you know, use that key, etc. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> this the, is know, uh, also Latria in that it's atmospheric and scary as well. Yes. Like yeah, sometimes yeah. you'll pick up a, an item from a from a corpse and it will just scream this blood curdling neighbor waking scream. <laughs> How? Like at first I was just like, oh, this is, this is so silly, you know, cause it, it's so gamey. Um, it's, it's like outlast, you know, in, in the middle of this, but I came to really like it. If I think of this dungeon specifically as a haunted house, like mm-hmm. yeah. that is the idea behind this. This is a, you know, Captain Spooky's wild ride. Yeah. I'm down for it. Like I'm, I'm along for that wild ride. It's just, oh, no, just, the, the atmosphere yeah. is uh, undeniable. I think, I think you're, you're spot on though. Like the first moment you step out, uh, a hollow runs out of a cell and just pushes you down. <laughs> it, just, it just feels like, it just feels like, well, that's just, yeah. that's just set up for me to fail. And the jailers feel a bit like that as well. Mm-hmm. They very definitely evoke the mind flare. Is it? Oh, um, specifically. Yeah. yeah. The, the illithid kind of guys. Yeah. They're, they're, but, yeah the, so the jailer is the kind of principal enemy here. Um, yeah. And they are they are a cross between the the mind flayers and then uh, to my mind this is an attempt from from to make a more fair winter lantern. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see that. They have kind of a similar mechanic, uh, but it's less bullshitty. <laughs> I, I don't know that it is because they they double up on, <laughs> on oh yeah those mechanics because if it looks at you you lose health 
like in curse yeah. style, your health starts ticking down your maximum health. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they have a, a curse gas attack, and they can stun lock you with that brand yeah, yeah. really, really quickly. So well, it, it definitely yeah. gives you that sort of terror. But yeah, the haunted house thing is absolutely right because it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, really cheap mechanics stacked one on top of the other <laughs> to just make you feel terrified. Yeah, and and it's unnerving the entire place. Some of the enemies in here are beyond grotesque. <laughs> yeah, um, and. Yeah, it definitely ends up having this kind of haunted house feel, but you know, really they have cool an amazing like sound of design too. When yeah. you're just talking about them intimidating you, because that <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. chuckle that they do is just, you know, I get it as like Pavlovian a response as I did to the bell, yeah. you know, and the mind flares. Yeah, yeah. and as they uh, if they if they tackle you to the ground and uh, uh, brand you with their peace sign brand, kind of looks like uh, the hunter's hunter's mm-hmm. mark or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, that that that's sound it's really like it is lovingly animated in a way that so many of those kind of aren't mm-hmm. um it's, it's it, it is a lovely uh yeah a lovingly uh designed kind of like coup de gras mm-hmm. against you like they want you to remember this yeah the, the way they move yeah. as well um you you can't really tell where they've got sight of you because that's something else that's in this game the distance at which you'll trigger enemy response is kind of difficult to work out sometimes mm-hmm. and the distance they will chase you really difficult to work out sometimes there's a couple of spots in in this area where i just ran to get <laughs> away from them and they kept coming <laughs> it's just like and the way that they run is that kind of jerky almost like stop frame animation style yeah. it's really unnerving in <laughs> uh, that kind of core guttural horror film type <laughs> you know and they're uh, they're very specifically on patrol as well um they're not kind of like posted up like some of the mindless enemies that we see like they have routes um, mm-hmm. the thing that makes them feel a little bit, uh, so I, 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 I like these things, you know, when I first encountered them, I was like, oh, well, that's kind of bullshit because they're just getting me down to one tenth health. However, they only drain your maximum health when their lantern is raised. And if you can actually like manage that and kind of like break line of sight or, uh, kind of like time your runs past them, that is actually, it's easy to avoid the most, uh, kind of yeah. deleterious yeah. effects of that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, the reason why I feel like they are more fair than Winter Lanterns also, like I have, I'm kind of a mixed feeling on this mechanic in general, um, but I like it more because it can't kill you on its own. Um, <laughs> you, you can't die from having them drain your health. Um, they can still hit you and that, that'll do it. They can make it so you're one hit, one kill, but they can't hit, you know, just kill you by looking at you. Sure. Yeah. Um, it does end up kind of just being an Estes tax because you're likely to get triggered by it and then the, or trigger, you know, you're likely to trigger it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you, you will be triggered by it. <laughs> uh, let's uh, just go to gary.tumblr.com and see if that's, <laughs> the, um, but the, um, it is your, you know, even if you're running past, even if you're fighting them, um, even while you're hitting them, like stunning them does not stop the effect right. if they've started it. So uh, it's going to take away your max health, which takes away your current health, which means you'll have to heal even though you didn't get hit. Yeah. Uh, so that's, there's some kind of BS to that. Um, but I just like that they can't kill you with it. Like they don't, mm-hmm. you know, sure. and their actual attack, um, their, their grab attack, their branding attack, uh, that they do is much slower and has less tracking than the winter lanterns, mm-hmm. uh, grab attack. Like you can roll yeah, I, past that. I, I, um, I've rarely, I think once been caught by that just because <laughs> you kind of learn quickly, you want to be fighting them one-on-one, which kind of adds to the frustration of it being the SS tax you're talking about. Cause if you fight them one-on-one every time you fight them, you're going to need to use next yes. each one. You're going to need to use next this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's, um, 
it, there's definitely that aspect. And the other thing is, as soon as you break line of sight, there's no lingering effect. And the Winter mm. Lanterns had that yes. kind of that grey area of, can I get <laughs> away with not, you know, mm. not, not uh, addressing this? Yeah. Um, or or do I actually need to kind of pop a remedy? But, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Something yeah. that's uh, that, that that I also really appreciate for the majority of this dungeon, um, when these uh, when the, when these jailers are active, um, they're only paired with other enemies that cannot move very quickly and are just kind of area denial in the uh, the, the the skeleton spiders, um, the, mm-hmm. uh, the the cage the caged ones, which actually those are cool because if you look, you can actually see the uh, the jailer mass inside, like they've been turning their people into those as well. Um, uh, either those or these uh, incredibly weak, you know, kind of like dreggling uh, level hollows um, that are kind of set up to ambush you. So, like, you know, this is an area that by enemy number is full of enemies that should be incredibly easy to deal with. But by the mm. presence of these things here as kind of like deep buffers, it is bringing new danger um, to these things that otherwise wouldn't have been an issue. Um, and that's yeah. also a conscientious choice because if they had paired this with, you know, especially some of the more, um, aggressive enemies that we see even later on in this very stage, um, mm. this would have been a, a far side harder. Um, so mm. like, I, I appreciate the deliberateness of that yeah. choice to kind of like pair these with things that would kind of, you know, um, push the limit, but not exceed it. Yeah, I, I, I've all, always cleared out the the group of the jailers that are kind of circling around the pillar at the very end of this area. Yeah. I always clear them out before I tackle the mimic or the the lycanthrope in the <laughs> in the locked cell because no, <laughs> Just, yeah, no yeah, it's yeah. not happening. Yeah. Well, I won I wonder if the uh, the characters we see, the monsters we see later, the handmaidens <laughs> um, that are very similar to these, uh, at some point were these, and it mm. was just too much to mm. fight them in gargoyles at once. You know, and then oh, they yeah. kind of added in this other other character because they're both survivors. It just seems like that because those enemies are so non-threatening. Yeah. You know, it yeah. is such a step down in difficulty uh, to get to get down yeah, to there, exactly. which is just really kind of yeah. strange uh, from a curve you know perspective. <laughs> um, it also should be noted real quick is that if they do hit you with their brand, um, there's a debuff that uh, gets applied to this. It's not just the health thing uh, that will raise your equip burden. Yep. Uh, so again, just everything about these guys playing into fear. Um, if you get a hit and you start panic rolling, uh, they will take away your ability to panic roll. You know, you will be too overburdened to do so or to roll quickly. Um, you know, so you very early on learn, like, I need to not get hit by that brand. Yeah. Uh, you know, and if I do, I need to go backwards away from them, shield up. You know, I I do not need to try to do some acrobatics to get a backstab. Um, I need to let this wear off. Um, so, you know, again, I like everything about these guys. It does become a thing where you can get down to 10% of your health. And then I spent a lot of time in the Aerithel dungeon, just kind of standing around waiting for the effect to wear off. <laughs> like it's yeah. a modern FPS. Yeah, like exactly. Halo. Like you're just going to crouch yeah. behind this. Let my shield recharge. Yeah. Especially yeah. when that's happened in stages. So it didn't all get drained at once. It's happened in like two or three stages. With, yeah. You know, them come around the corner, seeing you again, come around another corner, seeing you again. Uh, and so you'll, wait for your health to start regening and then you'll think oh, okay I'll, I'll drink an estus and realize it stops at halfway and you're like oh <laughs> yeah. come on yeah. just wasted yep. this thing. <laughs> yeah never i used to think um popping an ember would maybe like cure it or something like that but that's a real waste of an ember <laughs> that's a quick way to waste an ember. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um so as we mentioned there's this ambush as soon as you go by where a guy just shoves you off the, the cliff and yeah. just slide tackles um, you off of it it's, it's not very it's not a, house it's not like, a deadly a deadly attack either it's just down to the lower level yeah, yeah. like don't don't yeah. touch touch the actors they can touch you 
<laughs> the, uh, you know, and we ran into those cage skeletons, which we haven't seen since the uh, Undead Settlement. Right. Um, we talked about those things. Yeah, uh, which is spider a, things. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Great, great design. Um, <laughs> and really so, resistant to most damages I do, but. Right. Yeah. The, the, you have to be a piercy boy, which doesn't make yeah. sense for, uh, for, for skeletons. Um, so we're getting into something where it's been long enough since I've seen a lot of these enemies that I kind of forgot about them. So the second one of these cages started like rattling and making that noise, mm. like I didn't expect it. Um, mm. The first time I came through, we're going to run into that in a big, bad way when we go back to Lothric, because like, wait a minute, this is a game about Lothric. Fuck, I haven't been here for 15 hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. but even here, yeah. as they start kind of like slowly reintroducing these, I think it's a it's a, it's a it's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, we start seeing our ties to uh, kind of ma- magicianship mm-hmm. and sorcery in this area, which is a really big thing. Right. Weirdly enough. And it's it's again, this this weird feeling of like how big hat and kind of the dragon school are tied to like three areas in this, <laughs> this game. It's like, you know, the, the crystal sages, um, the Farron people. And then now this, we end up running into some big hat stuff, you know, as well. Yeah. And kind of general Vinheim thing. Uh, mm-hmm. cause we find the old sorcerer set like Griggs war, um, yes. Griggs yeah. and, uh, the, uh, Rick, the, uh, blacksmith. Yeah, Rick Hart. And, and uh, great magic weapons in the cell right next to or a couple down from that old sorcerer set as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you, you definitely get that stuff here. Yeah, it just does. Doesn't it feel a bit like Big Hat Logan is just this kind of if they're short on lore anywhere, it's a bit like putting in a pinch of herbs or spices into into things. <laughs> just grab grab the Lo- Logan grinder and just grind some Logan on that area. Just, you know, <laughs> spice up you know a little I, bit of Logan I, can cover a lot of yeah, sins. That's I, all people you know, taste anyway. I started getting grossed out, so I uninstalled Logan Grinder. I, I felt like it was, it was just getting weird. All these people with their big hat puns, it was starting to gross me out. Wait a minute, you were banned for being a Gary? <laughs> no, I, it's because I wanted to grind Logans, not because I was a Logan. Oh, okay, okay. Um, you download it when you want to find it, a Logan to or is, try it, or is it like Bumble? You have to wait for the you have to wait for the Logan to contact you. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, it it does feel like he's just kind of everywhere. Like well, he's Johnny Sorcery Seed. What I, just... what I love, um, and uh, you you really see it in the items that are uh, kind of present here, especially in the sorcery fight we, we fight later, um, is that uh, everybody is kind of fighting to be the true heir apparent to this master mm-hmm. who lived uh, millennia ago, and so it's this <laughs> it's this uh, religion that has cropped up around this madman who he killed in his underwear. I was going to say, yeah, our lasting memory of him is a giant hat with a naked body underneath it running around like an Egypt in a crystal cave. It's like, like it's yeah. not exactly. He didn't really live up to his legend in that game, did he? Let's be honest. <laughs> nope. Um, like, I, I like that too, Cole. Like, mm-hmm. it does kind of square the reason why there is some of this stuff. Yeah. It, yeah. it undermines it in a way that I don't particularly like that much, though. Like, I, it does make it an, an equation that works. Like, it's. Somebody in the plot has said, like, no, Logan's actually everywhere, and this is why. Yeah. Um, but, like, Logan, yes, he was, like, a, an idiot in his underwear. But there was this idea of, like, you know, there's still tragedy in his in his underwear story. <laughs> and there's this association, this much stronger association with him studying, like, Seath and this kind of, uh, this crystal magic thing. Yeah. There was a stronger through line that's just kind of become really diffuse now. Yeah. Well, you know? or it's become, uh, like, commonplace almost yeah. like it's become generic almost yeah yeah like yeah. the quest like, for power turning you know against you <laughs> it reminds me of just kind of the general like some of the ways that from software all of the they kind of worship dark souls one there are some very distinct like 
not like fuck yous, but like this whole wait, I just recorded um, like a top five NPCs thing with uh, the Twin Humanities guys. And uh, we were talking about Solaire because he ended up on on uh, Patty's list. And he was talking about like, you know, we we're talking about the way the Dark Souls 3 kind of treats Solaire and how that's such a bummer. And this is one mm. of those things, too. You know, this guy who was like this great sorcerer who, yes, had this like kind of bonkers, undignified end, but was spoken of in kind of hushed tones by everyone. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, is actually just now it's just like everywhere and everyone's got his stuff. It's like he's like the McDonald's of he's been yeah. franchised. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's it's Logan inflation. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it feels like disrespectful in a way that I'm not trying to defend a video game character like a real person. <laughs> but just this, you know, this heavy implication that Solaire has been made into soup, which I don't necessarily buy. But like that there's something there that like could be the case. <laughs> you know, there's this weird way of just being like, yeah, everyone you love from Dark Souls one, fuck them. <laughs> you know, but every every place you love from Dark Souls one, here it is. You know, it, there's this it, the attitude is really hard to parse out. Yeah. Know? It's yeah. kind of this weird, I think, unintentional kind of critique on the cachet of celebrity almost, isn't it? That yeah. Logan and Solaire became so well-known, not just in the game, although Solaire wasn't mm. that widely renowned, uh, but in in the fan base as well, if you like, in, in the public mind, um, that just, yeah, they, they, they kind of need to be a brand, a franchise that can just be, you know, brought out any old time. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's, Which, yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the degradation of uh, veneration. Um, like what's happening with Logan is almost like what's happened with Big Boss. You know, with people just like mm. fighting to like, well, I need his hand so we can use his cells to make super yeah, soldiers. They, they want to appropriate you know? <laughs> different parts of both physical and ideological aspects yeah. of of the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, the more I kind of get into it, I am interested in reading and more open to the idea of Dark Souls 3 being kind of a meta story about Dark Souls fandom, <laughs> you know, yeah. and like I've I've read that argument before without like an essay behind it, just somebody kind of saying it. And like if anybody has a really good source for like bring wank it up, like the wankiest, you know, most uh, <laughs> give me like the most like dryly academic idea of this because I want to read it. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. know that I'm going to go go for it. But this yeah, idea that yeah. like this is from responding to their success is more makes more things make sense to me it's as re- I get further into the season. It's strange that you bring that up because that is very much what Kojima did with Metal Gear Solid Four. He mm. just didn't want to make it, and so that entire game is like a protest well, against the pressure and, to do it. And interesting there as well, obviously, uh, people who <clears throat> weren't quite so fond of Metal Gear Solid Two said the same about that that was a direct critique about something being able to imitate its originator and mm-hmm. could it ever really match up to could it ever you know be the same yeah. um mm-hmm. and and interestingly a, a a wonderful podcaster called sean bell from a podcast called midnight resistance uh, posited about dark souls 2 that that game being all about the cycle and all about the kind of um derivative nature of that uh ended up being a critique about how if you make a sequel it's going to be an iteration of the first and it's never going to be as good. And there's going to be this kind of fading memory aspect to it. That's kind of a theme running through uh, dark souls too. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. he, he didn't mean that in necessarily a, a negative way, just that it seemed like a reasonable assertion that that could have been on the minds of the people making that game, knowing mm-hmm. they had this kind of behemoth to live up to yeah. um, and, and admitting to themselves early on that, 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 was just unobtainable uh, because of the kind of mythos around the game that had already sprung up. 
yeah. uh, even yeah. just in the sort of two or three short years since Dark Souls has really become well known. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, there's definitely that feeling with this game where it's like, it's almost like I, I could feel, especially in this area, Miyazaki just nudging me in the ribs going, remember that, <laughs> M- remember that, remember that. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. make sense, but remember it, remember it. It's, yeah. it's just weird. It's really weird. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, and, and, and that idea of each next, you know, each cycle, each next turn kind of losing momentum is practically text in this. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now we need five lords exactly. of cinder in order to, to you know, yeah. It's, uh, it was never a cycle, it's a spiral. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's all spirals. This game, yeah. the series is infested with spirals. Yeah, well, so yeah. As, as am I. Um, <laughs> as is this entire town. Um, so you kind of make your way to the other side of the dungeon uh, here. One thing real quick you got to notes. I don't want to gloss over it, is yeah. uh, when you get the, the great magic shield, from the leech monster, you open the door. <laughs> yep. um, the monster responds. The door stays open. Yep. Um, which I like because it's the same thing that happens in Latria. Like in Latria, that <laughs> yeah. was the risk reward. Like, do I want that treasure? If I take it every single time I have to go back here, I'm going to be crawling with hollows. Yeah. I, you know, so, they're going to come out. So it's funny because I was playing uh, when I played through the first time. I saw you know I, I saw that happen. I was like, oh well, now there's a now there's a leech in play every time I play this. And I was like, well, when I play through for the show, I'm just not going to do that because I'm probably not going to do uh, I mean, a great magic shield. Not that not who, that great of a spell for me. Right, yeah, right. It's yeah. Really specifically useful, isn't it? If yeah. you're, yeah. Yeah, if you're, I don't know what I've never used it. <laughs> <laughs> and so it just uh, can you imagine? Because I didn't write that down. What did I do? What did I do, Gary? Oh, I opened you, the door. Well, you opened the door. Again. No. <laughs> because I want to find but, the leech man. Well, well, the other thing is, actually, that's a dead end. Unless you get pushed off that ledge again, which that's kind of yeah. your own fault, to be fair. Yeah, don't, don't, don't get pulled again. You, you're not yeah, really yeah. going back down there. Uh, you don't have to pass that cell unless you're, you've forgotten where you've been and got lost, which yeah. it, I think first time around, this has a feeling of Latria in terms of uh, in Latria, there were two areas the size of this one kind of next to one another mm-hmm. and you were crisscrossing between the two of them uh, so not just two walkways but almost four laid out on two levels um and it was easy to get lost and get turned around here because it's kind of half the size it it never you know it never felt like that was the case once i'd been through this area uh once i i knew exactly where i needed to go to get x key to go through x door yeah. you know down uh, set of stairs y yeah. Uh, and where would be the quickest way to get through that? Uh, and the fact that it doesn't link across on the bottom level as well means that, again, kind of a linear path through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, a, it's four hallways and a walkway. Um, yeah. And I will say it only became an issue because uh, when I got keys later on, I was like, all right, well, I just want to go back around and see where this opens up. I would be yeah. walking down that lower floor on the near side. And then mm. just here comes Leechy. I was like, well, OK, mm-hmm. it's a minor yeah. inconvenience, but still um, it yeah. is something you did on a previous cycle that has come back to bite you in, yeah. a, in a super. It's a mosquito bite, but it's still a bite. Yeah. Sure, and and if you get caught by that thing, you're going to be reaching for the, <laughs> uh, the the blood moss or just or your, suffering yeah, your two torch. full yeah. bleeds. Yeah, two full <laughs> bleed stacks. Um, yeah. Just to say, I think I said great magic weapon earlier. It is great magic shield that's here. Yes. Uh, just yeah. to correct that. Thank you. Yeah, because people will. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you know this. 
Uh, no, no slight too small. Um, <laughs> the, uh, no slight, no slight too small to disqualify you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, slight small anytime. Let's, let's talk about, um, stuff that we find on the far side of that dungeon, uh, just kind of the enemies and stuff, because the actual, you know, moment to moment moving through the level, um, it has that real video game sense of, oh, this door is locked, but there also happens to be a cell with a broken wall uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, through yeah. here kind of thing. And that's when we run into the first uh, one of these wretches that is non-aggressive. Uh, oh, I like this oh, thing. so good. Yeah. Because I'm, because I'm walking around with a torch and its eyes just kind of like glow out of the darkness off of it. Yes. Mm. And, and it's non-hostile, so you're kind of creeping closer, waiting for the moment. That it suddenly becomes hostile, but the the sounds as you're walk before you even see it, the sounds that you hear coming out of there are just horrifying. <laughs> the, sound, yeah. the sound of it existing. <laughs> it is, yeah, because you can just hear the scuffling, scratching kind of sound coming from behind the wall, uh, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, it's really unnerving. <laughs> really well done, but yeah, really unnerving. Um, these things are pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, kind of from a from a lore perspective. So they um, they look like a slightly more successful version of the undead abominations from uh, from Dark Souls Two. Actually, yes. yeah, yeah, they are they are these kind of like baby dragon dog hybrid things, um, <laughs> and not baby they, like oh look at it look at little this little dragonette and a pupper. No, it has a gigantic baby head. It's like a silent yeah, yeah. monstrosity Oval face, kind of big features, kind of big yeah. eye type. Uh, look to it yeah it's really bizarre the way that in real life the proportions of a baby are terrifying <laughs> like if you were if you were to just take a baby if and microsoft paint and, to a big yeah head, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah grab yeah. the corner and, and drew it out <laughs> Proportional like, scale. Actually, baby. I, I, t- I tell you what they look like a very young uh version of patrick moore doing the um, games master tv show i don't know if you guys have ever seen that that was a uk specific no. video game show uh where this astronomer this really well-established sort of 80 year old probably at that time uh <laughs> astronomer uh really sort of well-to-do well-respected guy uh had his head kind of blown up in this weird kind of distorted fashion as this games master of <laughs> of this tv show answering questions that people would send in that he blatantly knew nothing about but you know they give him a script so it's fine <laughs> right. and it's just that weird kind of distorted blown up size head where yeah, proportionally, it's probably all still fine, but no, it's, it's aspect ratio maybe a little bit off. It's just bizarre. It, it, it reminds me of uh, the baby head toy from uh, from Sid's house and Toy Story. Is, mm. is, oh, yeah. is what it does. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> but the, but my other favorite thing about it is they're completely uh, ineffectual, like tiny little turkey wings that they have sticking out of their back. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, so these are um, you know, and they have these tailbone weapons. Uh, mm-hmm. That have dragon techniques. Um, there are like this is probably somebody trying to make dragons. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen this before in the series, like trying to turn humans into into dragons. You know, we saw those abominations, those kind of half dragon Eldia creatures in Dark Souls Two. Um, mm-hmm. That's probably what's going on here. Um, it's not. Uh, it has kind of geographical relation to Arch Dragon Peak. But that way of turning into dragons is serene and successful. This has that feeling <laughs> yeah. of trying to replicate something natural through like black science. Yeah, I mean this is uh, umbrella. Yeah, I'm always going to respond really well to that. <laughs> like uh, black science is like my favorite, you know, like subgenre of horror. You know, this like we can we oh, can you know, like, George, just, like George Washington Carver like that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it has a real air of kind of gene splicing gone wrong style. 
Yes. Yeah. Horror to it, doesn't it? Like that kind of body horror type thing. Um, they, they also go quite well, although they're they're not in the same area or they're adjacent. Uh, with the monstrosity of sin, uh, mm. creatures will come across later on. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. In in that, yeah, they, they just all proportionally in the way they move and the way they look. It just it, it's against guttural kind of. Uh, design wise yeah yeah sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i just got excited (laughs) um, like design wise this might be the strongest area in the game Mm -hmm. like monster design wise because we also have the spider ringus uh down there which are phenomenal yeah you know so we we just run into a lot of really fantastic looking monsters yeah in this section um the monster game is is super on point (laughs) yeah this is the uh this is the aldeas keep of this area almost So the I idea guess of the like, lore behind it doesn't necessarily always hold all of these together so well, but yeah, in terms of just the kind of gestalt aesthetic and yeah. mm-hmm. uh, emotional response to it, yeah, definitely. Yeah, They've from, got a, from some a monster manual <laughs> perspective, and yeah. the, the um, so the the question as to why and who is turning people into dragons, no, I, I don't, I can't suss it out. No, right? this so, like, is not a scientific would, organization. No, it would make sense for Sullivan to be doing it just based on, you yeah, know, exactly. where it's at or for somebody from the profane capital. But like, we don't have a, we have a tie There's between no... uh, Lothric and Osiris with turning into a dragon. Mm-hmm. Yes. We don't have that tie with, with Sullivan. So I, I have no idea why there's... there are people being turned into dragons here. <laughs> yeah. And there's no, me- as far as I know, I've, I've kind of looked as much as I can. There's no mention of him experimenting in that way. Not th- there's Mm-mm. Sullivan did a lot of bad things, <laughs> you know, he yeah. did a lot of stuff that was wrong and he certainly tried to wield the profane flame, but any experimentation seems to be on the basis of controlling profane flame and with magical experimentation, not, this sort of stuff, not all stuff, you know, where right. that all kind of worked. Mm-hmm. And yeah. also, um, this is a prison. This is not a lab. Why do they live? Gary, why do they live? <laughs> why, why live? Why, why do they live? Why, why didn't they just, uh, kill them and then just dump them down a, down a pit? There are so many pits here. Yeah. 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 Like you, you could definitely have like a bunch of these, like it would be equally creepy and awesome to find a bunch of these dead mm-hmm. here. And then eventually find like a pit with, some of them, some of them still alive, mm-hmm. you know, if that was, but yeah, the experimentation, like kind of line of storyline here is really incomplete. You know, it's another mm-hmm. one of these like 40% done kind of like <laughs> lines in this area. I feel like, it's like okay, somebody, yeah. somebody sketched something really creepy. Let's put it yeah. in this, in this area that is earmarked as being especially creepy. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if <laughs> China dot, dot, dot. And then, yeah, just cool. covers a lot of sins. It's it's so frustrating <laughs> that like they have that dragon tail thing because if they didn't have that, you know, looking at them, they kind of look like they're being made into a dragon, but they also kind of look like they're being made into, you know, like you said, a turkey. You know, they could just be <laughs> chimera, you know. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it is explicitly like a dragon technique that comes from their bones just makes it like it's they're definitely like hybrid things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But why? Yeah. Well, and they and and they made them from the bones of each other in an attempt to escape a vain attempt, but still, mm-hmm. but still one. You know, yeah, that's bizarre. And, and we've got them down here with basilisks as well, which don't necessarily share all that much in common. But in terms of long, kind of reptilian body shape, oh sure, mm-hmm. and and big facial features, albeit basilisks, it's just the giant <laughs> eye balloons that they've got on the front of their head. Um, but again, wouldn't it kind of be interesting if they were a version of basilisks that had somehow been created down here? Uh, but they they just 
again, that's <laughs> that's just me spitballing. There's no reason I would believe that, aside from you get assaulted by about seven basilisks at one point down here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just cause. <laughs> and yeah. it's it's funny because like it sounds like what we're asking for is a is a, is a sci-fi Dark Souls. I don't know that I want that. Um, I, I, I'd take yeah, it. no, I'd be okay. Like, okay, all right. Yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't turn my nose up at it, but just uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not clamoring for it as much as as much as everybody is. I we feel don't like need we, the series to go that way necessarily, right? Right. Oh, yeah, but I don't like, need it, but yeah, yeah, That's yeah. But I mean, just like that that stripe of Aldia, you know, kind of like alchemical almost uh, experimentation. That's what I really, really enjoy. And so to kind of like see that, like, well, no, that that actually kind of like reached a little bit of its apotheosis in uh, in Bloodborne, like mm-hmm. just by following that uh that 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 Lovecraft kind of angle, you know. And it's just kind of like uh, yeah. n- like now I'm thirsty for it, <laughs> you yeah. Know? Like I just like if something if something is going to come at this particular king, they better make sure they don't miss. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And th- and this is a half measure. As far as that, like a really great design with this, oh, this yeah. kind of half measure. It, it, it cuts a striking figure and it makes a fantastic first impression. Yeah. It was a fantastic, it was a great choice to make the first one uh, non-hostile. Yeah. I um, killed you it. Can, I'm not going to lie. I killed it. Oh, of course you did. <laughs> like it, it, it's like finding like a, you know, a really, really bad bug in your house. Like it doesn't matter how non-hostile it is. Like I was it, doing it, it a favor. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I use the rust gesture here, it's going to crawl into my eye. Like it's, <laughs> um, yeah, so there's kind of two, this introduces the two ways you can kind of get out of here. Um, and we're going to actually go back in through here, through shortcuts and stuff. It's kind of weird. But um, we can either get the jailbreak key and go out a window, which is one of the most useful, or like useless, rather, like kind of ways out. <laughs> because you could also just go downstairs and leave. Yep. Um, you know, or you can go out the window and you get a little item, but it's it's weird that this is a, its own key. Right. Um, you know, so you can either go out through the top floor and kind of fall down onto this this walkway, or you can go out the bottom floor. Yeah. And just kind of walk through this walk through walkway and we see um we're in this transition zone between the dungeon and the profane capital. Like we're still kind of in the dungeon. There's jail cells down here, but we're in this weird kind of transitional period. Right. Like we step out to this to this huge view of the uh of this kind of like tilted um uh tower that makes up the most notable feature of the uh, of the capital um mm-hmm. from above. Um, you know, I've seen comparisons to Ulysseel or New Londo. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of this tower rising from this bottomless void, it appears. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of little, like, in- I mean, kind of superfluous encounters, I feel like. Yeah. They're not really well designed or necessary. Yeah. It's like just these two areas that have these peasants in them. Yeah. Like the one, there's one where it's just a guy with a crossbow covering another guy with melee with an ambush, uh, which is. You know, mildly interesting, and then there's just like a weird, you know, what if there were eight dudes? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah they come like, around the corner like two by two as well. It's like, well, yeah, that, that's just me doing the same thing four times. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. crossbow. All right, yep. <laughs> and, and the yeah. most uh, the most useful uh, useful exit out of this place. And you don't know this until it's, you explore. It's right, it's right there. It's like right to the right. <laughs> and yeah. I I thought like I resisted that so much because I'm like, oh, this is gonna drop me into the shit. Mm-hmm. Like this is gonna drop me into a basilisk. Yeah. Or something like that. But yeah. no, that's actually where you want to go. <laughs> um, so, you, yeah, you have these different exits, these little, like, just shoots. These, they're, they're reminiscent of uh, the depths. Right. You know, kind of uh, kind of refuse sluices uh, you can go through. Or you can kind of make your way through and go down this ladder um, into this chamber with a giant. Yeah. Um, 
that uh, this you know this was built around this giant. So I think, <laughs> yeah. I think there's something that explicitly says that yeah. he was the first prisoner, yeah. and then yes. the other prisoners they were uh, cells around it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, around around his feet, which I can't imagine the the smell steez is on point there. Um, oh yeah, you know, so it's, <laughs> it's all it's all callous. <laughs> um, yeah, very very corny giant. Um, no. but, um, depending on where you drop down, you're kind of in a more or less advantageous position, um, to try and get by this, uh, this very, very sleepy boy, um, yes. uh, as he just kind of like is just, uh, taking a nap on the job, leaning, leaning against the counter. Um, yes. If you didn't, I didn't know about being able to bypass him by dropping down the, the chute. Um, so this ended up being a very frustrating encounter. Yeah. Um, he's really hard to fight up here without cheesing him. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, cathedral of deep kind of all over again, that first giant you encounter there. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Much, much less room to maneuver. You, yeah, yeah, exactly. Even, even less, but on, even on, on that first encounter, I was like, yeah, this isn't happening. I'm not going to beat this guy this way. <laughs> and then you realize you can just go and do the world's slowest, most boring fight around his ankles. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of the same here, but, there's also a crystal lizard there where you're like, well, I kind of want to get the crystal. Oh, no, I'm dead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, it's especially frustrating yeah. because even if you do get past him, you know, if you if you wake him up and then uh, try to go to the ladder, you're still on a ladder with this incredibly angry giant who can just slap you off of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it is a bummer to try to run past his uh, his things and it's a bummer to hit him with a billion arrows in the head um, <laughs> to try to fight him. And it is a bummer to fight him in his feet. Um, he's kind of a bummer all around. <laughs> so the um, the one thing that you can do, so there's all these shoots down to the to the right hand side, and then there's the gate off to the left hand side with the ladder behind it. Um, but the last of the shoots, if you go round the corner to the right, mm-hmm. clear out all the the uh, peasant hollows and and get to the end and cook, clear out the one with the the crossbow. The last shoot takes you up onto a ledge behind him, and mm. you can kind of just walk down this rocky ledge out to the sort of sewer grate where the the rats all are and he doesn't wake up if you go down there so you you if you're willing to tackle the sort of mobs up top you mm. can you can kind of take the last last uh, exit on the right okay well, the the first exit on the right will put you to will put you past his arms right um so if you land there and you don't touch him yeah. Uh, you can just walk by as well, and he won't walk wake off up. to He's... the, the nar- narrow ledge on the far right hand side. Is, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. So that's the one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So you can you can go either one of those. You just don't want to do the middle one, or actually just climb down and smack him in the hand. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Don't piss off giant. Yeah. Do, okay. yeah. do not hurt giant. <laughs> okay. Cool. It helps any time. <laughs> um, the uh, so you kind of make your way past there into this uh, this like. Uh, so you can drop down to the floor here as well. You can mm-hmm. also come back later. Um, and this is this weird uh, rat zone right. where they, they don't spawn endlessly. It just feels like they do. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a mini vanguard. Yes. Um, you know, rats just come forever. And which is kind of frustrating because there's an NPC here that you want to talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and rats are going to come up and nip at your heels while you try to do it. Right. And uh, better hope and pray that you don't uh, accidentally hit one of those ankles. Oh, yeah. While he's doing yeah, it. while you're down here. Or, you know, you do it and you just fight him and the rats <laughs> at the same time. But this is where uh, Seaward has been interred. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, since the last time we saw him was up in the kitchen, uh, up in Irithil. This is the where the path he took. And uh, he is now, you know, there's nothing really here for how he got trapped or anything. He just found no. himself trapped. It, it, just, it was probably one of the jailers or something like that. Yeah. Like that is the only thing. They couldn't brand through his armor, so they just locked him away until they figured out how to get around that problem. 
Sure. It kind of feels like they just threw threw a flask of Estus soup in there and you ran after it. Really excited. <laughs> yeah. They just closed the door behind them, you know. Uh, they put a they put a box with a string and a stick. <laughs> exactly. um, yeah. um, and uh he's he's he mentions his duty is near. Um mm-hmm. he's got his duty to do. He's mentioned that a couple of times, uh talked about his duty when we had mentioned him or seen him before. Mm, yeah. But that's about it. He doesn't provide any real context for what he's here for. Like it's just, oh, I've got myself in a fix again, ho hum, and that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. Um so we we uh instead, you know, so we head back you know, back up, or we we make our way back up to this kind of sewery section mm-hmm. uh, that is full of rats. Yeah, uh, here, um, and we get the uh, the profane flame pyromancy, not the yep. profane flame, just a profane flame. Yeah, because um, the pyromancy is not so good as to cause all this. No, if it's this thing that literally flesh, you know, melts the flesh off of city of men, uh, <laughs> which will do you know two hundred damage if you happen to catch somebody in your very slow pyromancy <laughs> arc. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, this is also the land of mimics. Um, this probably has more mimics per yeah. capita. Um, between... So we've already come past one by this yeah. point. Yeah, just the on the way into mimic. the giant cell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is the fuck you mimic. This is the mimic where like, don't man, don't yeah. give me lightning great arrows. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, something that like two percent of builds can use. Yeah, it's a niche within a yeah. niche of builds. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and not only, but also as you're fighting that mimic. <laughs> there's yeah. a sizable army of basilisks coming down behind you oh that's the other one this one you have the rats coming in after you yeah because we're yeah. down the we're not in the rat tunnel yet no that, that that's another kind of fuck you oh yeah th- this is yeah there are multiple little <laughs> they're kind of similar situations yeah um yeah. they're kind of nearby because there's the one you're right there's the one on the ground floor and then the one up up top mm-hmm. where you kind of go through and there are lots of rats <laughs> and a mimic right. um and a mimic that you don't really need to no, because the, the item that you need to get the you know the old cell key, um, you know, talks about this is where you get the description about the cell built built for a giant, um, you know, like that that one is a, isn't a non trapped uh, kind of guy, and you yeah. you will think that you're a okay because you fought the rats getting back here. After you open that particular chest, um, basilisks spawn in, and if you go yeah. over in a hurry, um, like I did the first time that I played this and tried to open the second one without checking the chain and reciting the rhyme to yourself. Um, you know, chain curls in treasure within chain curls up, better watch out. Um, <laughs> then here comes a mimic and fighting him isn't really even worth it because it is just the dark clutch ring. Yeah. Who, yeah. who gives yeah. a rip? <laughs> like it, it is the, uh, the treasure treasure per yeah. mimic. Like I remember when mimics meant something, man, make mimics great again. Like, <laughs> well, especially given how tough they are in this game, yeah. cause I don't know about you, but certainly if, if I wasn't playing for an optimized build, I was just playing through the first time. None of them are as hard as that first one in you know the very first area. Yeah, uh, the uh, that you get the deep battle axe from, uh, just because the damage output. But they're still pretty tough. You're not mm-hmm. taking them down in a few swings like you could in Dark Souls Two. Yeah, know, if you just you know you knew it was there, so you just you know primed your weapon, buffed it, and and yeah, two or three swings and they're down before yeah. they've even got up. In some cases, that's not happening here. Uh, certainly not for me. Uh, you know, with yeah. a lottery knight sword or whatever, you're just <laughs> not doing the damage. So, um, I mean, most like a lot of builds are, are kind of underpowered in this in this game. I think um, there's also so that ludically they're kind of frustrating because they are every one of them is uh, you know takes longer than I want it to be and is more challenging than I want. They're also like more carelessly placed in this game than any other game. Like they're not protecting. Remember Dark Souls One when like it was significant that a mimic guarded some of Havel's treasure. Mm-hmm. 
You know, yeah. now, like, yeah. what could be the possible significance of these lightning great arrows? Yeah. And then, like, uh, of a consumable, you know? <laughs> and then it is, Dark Souls uh, 2, each of them carried uh, carried the uh, the dark gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they, they meant, it meant something that when you, it was part of the storytelling that uh, it was a mimic. Here, it just, it feels like every other chest is replaced with a mimic in this bizarre shell game, you know, that for, for no particular reason... Um, like there are exceptions, like there's, we're going to run into a mimic later that does have some significant kind of dark stuff that you'd want to protect. But then there's tons of times where it's just nothing, you know, and it, yeah, it I, bums me out, man. Actually, oh. you're right. I can't think of a single item I got from a mimic that I actually used because clutch <laughs> rings. Nah, yeah. come on. <laughs> it's, yeah. It, yeah, if I'm if I'm focusing on a pyromancy only build, OK, I might use the fire clutch ring, but yeah. probably yeah. not because they decimate your defense. So, yeah. The, the the deep axe is actually really good for when you get it. Yeah, um, that will yeah. that will serve yeah. you really well for a while. But it's not commensurate with the risk and the the effort you put in. Yeah, yeah, that stage in the game. Yeah, that's the, a tough fight. Like the only like the notable thing about this about this item is that it actually is something from Londor. Um, and items hmm. that made direct reference to the Sable Church of Londor are kind of in short supply. Yeah. Um, but that is not uh, um, a commensurate uh, reward for the mechanical risk that you have to take to hmm. do it. Um, so when you go up to the kind of sewer part with the uh, basilisks and rats, um, you head off to a tunnel. Um, there are two gigantic rats here, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of for funzos. And then you open up into this huge dungeon floor here. Right. Um, I had a, you know, I have to eat a, not eat crow, but like I fucked up my first time through this <laughs> because the path to the left to the shortcut, mm-hmm. um, I didn't see for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't see the item or I was too distracted by all the jailers. Or I was too distracted by being low on health and everything. So I, you know, was screaming for a bonfire. Like this oh, felt shit. like yeah, like yeah. such a long stretch. And the dungeons upstairs, I was still kind of methodically clearing it because I was didn't know exactly how the mechanic with the health drain worked. And um, I didn't know about the shortcut past the giant. So I had to stop and fight the giant or get past him every time. <laughs> yeah. um, and I was really frustrated by this. And I was like, this is the longest stretch between bonfires in like this entire game. Like, yeah. where's my fucking shortcut? Uh, and then once I found out there's a shortcut right there, you know, it was kind of well, better. But this was really frustrating for me for a little while to have this entire like yeah. slog up to this point have the capper be, oh, this thing that you've kind of been methodically slowly dealing with. Here's eight of them at once. <laughs> yeah. you know? yeah. And there's always one more than you think there are. There's always that one who's just completely out of sync with the rest. Yeah. yeah. The back of the pillar. Carla. Just long enough that you, you sort of let your guard down. I think part of the reason you miss that shortcut on the right, I don't mean you, I mean one misses that yeah. shortcut on the right, uh, on the left, sorry, as you enter, is the, the way where you enter the room is really far along that wall towards that left-hand uh, wall. Mm-hmm. So the room opens out to the right, and you've yeah. got all those enemies there, and it's lighter down there. So naturally your attention just turns to that. Plus, as you yeah. say, yeah, there's like eight of the worst enemies you've faced so far. Um, <laughs> even if you do see the shortcut, though, if you go up there, uh, you come up at the other end of one of those hallways. So if you haven't cleared out those enemies because you took the shortcut out the window, mm-hmm. it's not an easy route back to, <laughs> to get to a bonfire even that way. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult being down here at this point. Yeah. yeah. Let, let's um, address the, the other stuff that's on that shortcut path real quick. Yes. Um, before we move into the right, just so we can kind of get it out of the way. <laughs> um, this is a really weird little tableau that's really uh, 
jarring with everything we've seen so far. <laughs> yep, because we are kind of like sticking out. We're on this little outcropping um, on the side of kind of these irithyl cliffs, right? During the day. Right. You know, well, like it's, it, a, it, it's, it's a little bit night. Like you, you can look up, you can recognize uh, the irithyl uh, kind of yeah. like skybox. But it, it's significantly this. lighter. It's not as gloomy as it was, hmm. you know, last time. We, I feel like we saw daylight through here it's like it feels like it just if to me it felt like a very like big kind of 180 it's much better lit hmm. than anything we've been through um you know it feel it feels like uh it feels like a different area to me which yeah. makes sense since it's the vestibule for another area <laughs> yeah but uh kind of arranged along this ledge there's almost like a like a little shrine or altar um with these knights who are kind of like kneeled prostrating um or yeah yeah prostrate there we go um one of those is in a butt uh, yeah. but, <laughs> um, <laughs> along with, uh, like a dragon statue, which we'll recognize from the first game as kind of being somebody who is using the, uh, the dragon torso stone. And in fact, we pick one up there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which will turn your, your dragon into a torso and give you, um, turn your torso void. into a dragon. Yes. There we go. <laughs> uh, it doesn't just turn a dragon into a freestanding torso. <laughs> It'd be fantastic. <laughs> like awesome. Like Draco Mancy, you can do. <laughs> I ain't scared of no torso. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the torso uh, gives you like a buff, correct? Mm -hmm. Like you can actually do this little scream when you have it. Yeah. And it uh, buffs your stats, I believe, um, which is instrumental in a lot of the kind of one hit challenge stuff people have done. Mm -hmm. So like the guy who parries Sullivan and kills him in one hit, who stacked <laughs> every buff in the game, he, you know, this is necessary for that. Yeah. Um, and this, the item description references Arch Dragon Peak, which is the like challenge optional area. Yeah. Uh, in this game that we're going to get to really late in the uh, season, probably right before the end. It's, yeah, uh, it's the last thing you want to do before you face the final boss, basically. It's very hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we've actually seen this uh, peak. You can see it from parts of Irithyll as well. There's a yeah. kind of an island area kind of floating off in the distance. Yeah. Uh, that is that is Archdragon Peak. Um, you can also get the Lightning Blade Miracle here, which I can confirm is not worth it. Um, it's not very good. If you want, if you feel like doing 40 extra damage per swing, like it, and uh, you know, sub putting in the stat investment to have the faith to do that, go for it. But yeah, well, buff, buff kind of suck in this game. Plus having to use FP to do that, presumably, and therefore potentially want to allocate some of your Estus to that if you're not sure. already. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, it's not going to happen, is it? Just yeah, use some resins. Fine. Seriously, <laughs> the cost is way, way too, too high. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this ends up being a very useful shortcut. Um, you know, you can just cut a direct line back down here, and if you're like me, you're gonna have to take, you're going to have to take, uh, take a couple of runs at this kind of dungeon floor area where the uh, where the jailers are uh, oh, yeah. doing their little uh, their little march. It's dense and very difficult. Right. I find um, because which like when I first was talking about that, you know, cue tons of people saying it's not hard, which is like that's so useful. <laughs> Yeah, keep keep, keep right. on doing that internet, people. Yeah, no. when somebody oh, says oh, something is hard, oh, you, telling them it's not. Oh, you mean it's not hard? Oh, oh shit! Really? I didn't even I didn't even consider that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I always it was hard all this time. Well, well, perhaps the it, problem is with me. Yeah, nothing. Perhaps I'm a this bad guy. person. Huh. Wow, um, maybe you should just stop playing games altogether. Probably. You know, I'm not qualified. Gary, if only there was somebody who could tell me whether I was qualified. Yeah, Gary, I'm going to need you to give me your half of the amulet. Fuck. <laughs> well, it's I, I love that. So, so. Someone just says, it's, oh, it's, it's not hard. Like, okay. like they've just presented you the, the Rosetta Stone or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. like, it's, not, yeah. it's not hard. Here you go. Decipher the world. Thanks. <laughs> 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 Have you considered that something's easy once you know how to do it? <laughs> um, the uh, So the, I find this encounter really hostile in one of the 
toughest in the game. And then when you actually like slowly, methodically clear it out with archery, uh, one of the most tedious in the game. <laughs> um, like I kind of hate this room. Like it is a great image, them kind of walking in the cir- doing right around the rosy. Um, you know, just walking <laughs> in the jailers circle. taking their fifteen, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I like this con like it visually, but like boy, is it uh, tedious to actually clear out. Um, and if you don't make it to that next bonfire and you have to do this multiple times, well, you know, it's more yeah. tedious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't deal with these, um, there are these rooms off of this uh, whole area that you're going to want to go to because there's, you know, relevant stuff there. Um, and they're going to come find you and make yeah. any of these other encounters um, difficult to impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as a couple of the items you're going to pick up in those rooms are of the whaling variety and will <laughs> yeah. draw yeah. anyone around. So, yeah. Uh, and and the, the rooms in and of themselves, uh, a couple of them aren't easy either. They've got tough enemies or tough groups of enemies yeah. in, so you do yeah. really want to clear out the central area. Yeah, um, there's there, yeah. there's kind of a strat you can do. Um, there's a lycanthrope down here that will aggro mm-hmm. to the jailers if you let him out. Yeah. Um, the same way we talked about this in the PvP episode, actually, and I didn't realize it would have so much uh, or that would have bearing on PVE. But um, the way that enemies that are aggressive to enemy other enemies uh, works is kind of slipshod. So he doesn't prioritize the jailers. No. Um, if you don't kind of lead him perfectly, he will just attack you, and then the jailers will attack you, and they'll team up. Um, you can get him to attack the jailers. I've done it before, but it's not 100% reliable yeah. uh, to do so. The, the enemy um, of my friend is a is a thing indeed. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the problem with that is you, have to, you would have to run past all that group of jailers, and there's another one up on that walkway that yeah. the entrance to that cell is. Yeah. In order to open that cell and then presumably run back past all of the jailers, meanwhile your health is just nothing at this point, yeah. um, and, and get away far enough that they'll aggro on one another, I yeah. guess. So I've never, I figured it might be possible, but I've never even tried to do it just because it seems far safer to clear out all the jailers first yeah. and yeah. probably the mimic as well. Just to articulate the particular way this will, this will fuck you. Um, <laughs> this will, this will fuck you. Um, no, it's, um, uh, so all of them firing off their lanterns at once will just reduce the margin for error down to nothing. Yes. You, you'll, you'll die in one hit. Uh, once these things start doing that. Um, and that's if you, if you do it that way, alternatively, you shoot one in the head with an arrow it scuttles over to you. You <laughs> duck back into the giant rat room, wait for it to turn the corner, stun lock it, and then just repeat that a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, yeah. And live, live with the fact that their brand will clip through the doors and corners. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. stand yeah. back of it, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I, I really I don't like the encounters in this room really at all. Like, this feels like a lot of just kind of, what if there were a bunch of something? And... <laughs> yeah just on the, the heels of rat floor and the eight guys in the room leading up to the giants. Like when, you know, when people complain about, you know, the, the biggest comparison people make um, other than the actual demon ruins uh, between areas in dark souls three and dark souls one is like, Oh, this, you know, profane capital is kind of like Isolith, you know, in that it feels unfinished. Um, and it does even down to this encounter design hmm. thing, you know, when people talk about just copy pasting enemies in Isolith, like, it's kind of what this feels like. I don't want to yeah. use language that, that's that dismissive, but these just like, what if there are eight enemies in a room are not really, it doesn't have that kind of like chess, like, you know, planning execution 
here, here's a different combination of enemies. How are you going to deal with these? Not exactly. Just, here's, here's eight of those, these things you wanted to fight one at a time. Yeah. You know, uh, we have the processing power to make a bunch of these things happen at once. Yeah. We yeah, have to indulge yeah. in it. It's, it's, it's a frustrating situation where I wish that there was a way to outsmart this arrangement that, or a route to outsmart this that didn't just go through TDM country. Yeah. 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 Or, or something environmental to use or whatever it might be. But yeah, just. Yeah, well, yeah, like an, like a exploding barrel that you could leave them all into, or you know, a, a chandelier that you could shoot down, like almost anything, or, like or, or just something that wasn't to open open the cell with the lycanthrope in it from from a he, distance, so you can yeah. start them off fighting one another. Uh, you, you know, almost not like on the way up to the abyss wa- uh, watchers um, mm-hmm. with the where, dark where you you can skirt around the side and let the dark wraiths fight the crew and and kind of then pick off the the victors, as it were. Mm-hmm. which Absolutely. let's face it is the dark race <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, um yeah it, it it just it's it feels um inelegant to me yeah definitely yeah um so but there's a bunch of other stuff in these side passages once you deal with the kind of main attraction here right um, there's the nursery <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a wonderful way to put it yeah this is where, where babies live <laughs> yeah. where babies come from so we keep the babies um yeah. and uh these ones are hostile uh we've encountered a couple of hostile ones up to this point but this is a room uh that is full of them and they are guarding the profaned coal mm-hmm. yeah which is the version of you that comes out after dark <laughs> so <laughs> the profaned coal is uh <laughs> when when dark gary and profaned coal come out <laughs> We do our triple X Logan grinder podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can't even do like a riff off of that because it would just be, it would just be profane. It'd be pretty foul. uh, Yeah, it would. Just, uh, I don't like that guy. I don't like profane Cole. Um, Yeah. You don't want to talk about prostates. (laughs) Um, there wouldn't be much of a difference i guess fuck (laughs) um but the uh so the profaned cult this is just a another one of these uh um uh, things you can give to uh to to andre right you can make the dark blood or uh, hollow infusions right Mm -hmm. use those particular gems this is kind of the remnant of the uh fire that burned down the capital and it's kind of kept in this cool skull um yeah the thing that's notable about this like this gets a particular uh specific response out of andre which is rare um he feels betrayed that you bring this to him like Mm -hmm. this this is foul and like i'm gonna do my duty but i'm not gonna like it yeah yeah um yeah so i mean again one of the a couple things that definitely tie this area and the profane flame to the abyss Mm -hmm. as being something that is abyssal right Um, i suppose the other thing is that uh we we didn't actually say uh so when you come out of the uh distant manor you're actually going back into the same mountain range that the uh, catacombs of Carthus you came mm. out of. Mm. So so the fact that they both tie to the abyss in some way, shape, or form, uh, being underground and being deep kind of leads you to think that anyway. But yeah, it kind of ties back in that and makes sense that the profaned capital and the profaned flame should also tie to the abyss. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I, I lost my orientation and there. I didn't realize you were doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It could yeah. be, yeah. Um, you know, it just literally... Uh, you know, proximity, mm-hmm. you know, to something uh, that that makes sense for that. I suppose it's so. kind of in a way where uh, from the Tomb of the Giants, you can see through to Demon Runes. Uh, you, you know, they're kind of, they are adjacent to one another, yeah. but they're just, you don't get to travel, traverse between them in the, in the game. So. Yeah. 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 Um, the other room, uh, there is a room with a, uh, a baby 
in it, <laughs> like a glowing. And some of these have like these glowing knives, which is visually just awesome. I want to make sure yeah, that's yeah. noted how cool these look <laughs> uh, in the dark. Um, we can also go get the uh, the Xanthus set. Yes, uh, in, the, in the room with the uh, with the lycanthrope. Um, so, we, so we get some Elysial stuff to make this the second Elysial in the game. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and this is, you know, we talked about the retcon that happens here. Uh, we, we mentioned this back in Fair and Keep. But um, yeah. their effort to tie uh, Xanthus um, study to uh, to Elysial, specifically, specifically because of the golden character and quality of, uh, of of their sorceries and the stuff does, that's associated with it, feels mm. it feels like spit in my eye a little bit. Like, like Xanthus stuff is a thing. Like it is a, her, you know, like Z- uh, Xanthus King Jeremiah, like he was, he was sent away. He was exiled because of his kind of like profane, um, insanity almost that kind of like yeah. comes, comes yeah. down from the, like the old monk I almost called him the yellow King. Um, like, mm-hmm. like, like that feels like it was already built up into this thing and to, and to have that, to have that whole sect kind of reduced down to just these, these nerds who happen to be affiliated with a color feels a little, feels a little off to me. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's not necessary um, to do so, <laughs> to combine those two things. Like right. yeah. in, in a game where they introduce like, a bunch of different kinds of giants and a bunch of different flames to kind of confuse things. Like I didn't feel like honestly didn't feel like, uh, Xanthus needed to be explained. No, you know, it's, no. it's like number 40 on a list of answers to questions. I didn't want answered, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I was, yeah. it was pretty cool with Xanthus being its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and yeah. So, the, I mean, they go about now referring to them as the Xanthus scholars. So the fact that they are interested not just in pyromancy, as you would be led to believe from Jeremiah, uh, but all forms of magic you could take mm-hmm. away from this game because there's enough to suggest that, okay, maybe they're just interested in all forms of magic. They are now scholars of all forms, as opposed to Vinheim Dragon School, which is very much sorcery-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would be fine again. But, yeah, there is this notion that, now this is just a uniform they wear, <laughs> and as long as long as you're a bit over the edge in terms of how safe you're willing to be with magic, mm-hmm. and wear yellow, <laughs> you're welcome to the club. And also, you're going to wear this incredibly large, inconvenient, and goofy hat because you want your head to look like Elizabeth, like a mushroom. Yeah, then, yeah. It does just feel a bit like, hey, the way we ended up redesigning that original old monk's helm. Uh, Kind of looks a bit like a mushroom, doesn't it? Oh, I've never <laughs> noticed that before. Let's just make it the same. It doesn't ever feel like that was something that was established, like pre-established at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah. agree. Like, it is It is just a little bit, you know, uh, it's just a, a little unnecessary to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know? yeah. And, it, and it's one of those monkey saw things where um, I, I love uh, Xanthus King Jeremiah, mm-hmm. and I love, um, you know, the old monk is... You know, one of my favorite bosses uh, on record. Like, I love all that stuff on its own. I just kind of liked the mystery rather than the explanation they slotted in. Yeah. Uh, so much so that I would have preferred not to have an explanation. It also ends up being like we have an area that was really explicitly like Elysial, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in this in this very game, right? <laughs> so we find the Dust Crown Ring here, um, you know, that kind of ties us to, to Xanthus stuff. But we, in Farron's Keep, we also found Dusk's like headgear. And stuff. Yeah. So what's going on? Like they're both abyss touched, but they're nowhere. I mean, you could just have the continents sliding, and maybe they were close to each other at some point. But what's, what's crazy about it is, like, Farron's on top of all of this. If this is below Carthus, and you know, Farron is you get you get to Carthus by going below Farron. Like this is like this in a weird way is pancaked on top of each other. 
I don't know how yeah. it migrated like that, but like yeah. there yeah. is like longitudinal um, kind of like synchronicity here. There's there's longitudinal synchronicity, but one you have like the Carthus thing, mm-hmm. like the Carthus layer, which like has to kind of be explained. Mm-hmm. Um, that does not seem to tie to these things, um, other than the fact that they're both kind of abyssy. Which again, mm-hmm. you could have just kind of abyssness being uh, a business, uh, ending up <laughs> proximity based. But this isn't a question of proximity. No, nope. it's a question of like it literally. You know, the same character showing up. Mm-hmm. The same. So we have the mushroom family and we have Dusk's hat showing up in one place and her ring and the Xanthus stuff, which is now retroactively tied to Elysial, showing up in another place. Yeah. And it doesn't, uh, like, it, again, it just doesn't feel additive to all, me. Like All that I can think of is somebody was taken from somewhere else and interred here because they are in a cell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess there's there's that notion of, you know, multiple countries or towns lay claim to being the birthplace of x person or mm-hmm. the you know like with shakespeare or whatever you know visited such and such place and it's a bit like well we we've got a crown well we've got a ring you know it's <laughs> yeah well, i can see okay yeah that happens but in a world where you're presenting a lore even if it's a vague lore even if it's supposed to be pieced together it feels muddled in a way that oh so because there's a xanthus set here we put the ring here as well, just to tie these two things together. But why are they there? Yeah, they're in a cell, but we don't know who's being kept in these cells. There's not really a lot of information to that. There's a, a werewolf guy with, you know, a crucifix on his back, and there's a bunch of hollows, but there's no, I guess, Carla aside, there's no notion of the sorts of people that are being put in here. Uh, you know, when laid alongside, say, the painted world of Ariamis, where there's a theme there as to who is in these cells, who presents the threat, and who has ended up there, and there's not yeah. that here. Yeah, it, ma- it made it like it's not just like who's there, but why. Yeah, you know, exactly. like we can understand why somebody would jail them, but why would these people jail them? Like, yeah. what threat was this thing that is, by all the evidence that we found before in Ferent, is like long past? Right. Like, yeah. how do they have time to be jailed when they should just be dead? like the mushroom family was, you know, at one point we're showing them imprisoned and another one we're showing them kind of rotting on the ground. It's just, it's inconsistent in a really frustrating way uh, to me that it doesn't ruin the area. The area is still very cool, but again, the cool things are the stuff, the new stuff Mm -hmm. that it brings. It's not, it's not these tiebacks like they don't work. Um, Or or, or the more kind of mechanical callbacks like to, to Latria, Thematically, yes. there's not a necessarily a great deal that's similar, but in terms of aesthetics and the way that the the kind of the place works, if you like, it's it's all very similar. But yeah, it then just feels like again they got out their Logan grinder and this time they put in the yellow peppercorn. So it's <laughs> yeah, <you know? laughs> yeah. Um, we run into Carla here, right. uh, who, to my mind, is also a little bit of a missed opportunity. Um, this lady. Um, she is one, um, ludically, I don't like how late in the game you can learn dark stuff. Right. Um, you have to get through a lot of this game before you can start using your dark braille tomes, uh, guilt free or use your dark pyromancy tomes at all. Right. Um, um, here. Yeah. So Carla is a, is, is a witch, um, who is associated with the abyss, with the abyss. And in fact, might actually be like a daughter of the abyss, like in yeah. a, like in a manis kind of sense, like a fragment of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, as we learn from her ashes, she kind of like phases in and out of reality at its fringes. Um, yeah. and she is kind of the person who you're supposed to take anything associated with the dark to, um, and, uh, uh, she will kind of like pinch her nose 
and uh, do the divine stuff, but she's more than happy to go for the pyromancies. She's a she's a super flirt. <laughs> yep. Like, uh, good to know a skinny little heretic can still turn heads. Yeah. yeah. Like she she like you know when you talk to her like even down you get all of her her dialogue and stuff like she's pretty flirty, pretty kind of uh you know flippant about mm-hmm. this stuff. Like she's got that kind of like attitude. And the thing like she you know we know that so Alva you know was after her for one reason or another like. That makes sense for Alva since he's kind of doing a version of his mission that he had before. Mm-hmm. It's not like Alvia has a big place in the story. Um, Carla doesn't have a huge place in the story either. Um, you know, we don't like it's this weird the dialogue drought that happens with these characters where I want them just to say more things other than, um, oh, I'm going to sell you something fluff. Mm-hmm. You know, like a couple lines just before yeah. they sell you something like we know she's a daughter of the abyss. Um, like pretty much what we got. <laughs> yeah. you know the, the 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 spurned child of the of the abyss like she may be um she may have been spurned or have spurned alva um yes. you know, as uh as uh, as that goes but we don't know you know what she's here and the, we do, there doesn't actually need to be a, a anything else other than the fact that she's a reference to yuria mm-hmm. you know so she's she's a daughter of the abyss she's also yuria from demon souls right um you kind of find yeah. her in a similar way. Same VO actress. Um she's also the VO artist who did um oh gosh, uh, Imposter, the Imposter Yosefka. Yeah. 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 Or so, playing Yosefka, I forget. Uh, you know. Yeah. If, if, if it's a fifty fifty, I'm going to get it wrong. So yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so you can get her, you can save her, but there's not like, you know, an NPC storyline really for her that I can find without online without tons of stretches. Right. Um she goes back to your zone, we'll read dark things for you. Doesn't like reading miracles, but we'll do it. Mm-hmm um well she gets self-conscious like she's embarrassed like okay well you know this is out of my wheelhouse but um well like we'll try it like don't laugh at me yeah. um, if i if i, if yeah. I mess it up i tell the story badly mm-hmm. yeah she, she's uh she's the goth kid who doesn't really want to be seen listening to pop music <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. so good yeah, yeah. they're undeniably <laughs> good songs you can't uh <laughs> yeah yes i've got a taylor swift cd let's not well cd come on oh jeez. Yeah. <laughs> oh i'm old apparently <laughs> <laughs> oh let's move on i've, I've killed it <laughs> no, no, it's just, uh, i'm just thinking how, how much i identify with it um <laughs> um yeah so like that like that's the last of the noteworthy stuff here at the bottom of the of the dungeon and so we're able to um kind of get a closer look at the actual capital you know we we, we step out beyond the uh the circling mass of uh of jailers and get a you know get, get up to this tower um, as we see, and um, right as we cross the threshold on this uh, on this bridge um, and get the profaned capital uh, title card, down comes a gargoyle. <laughs> yes, um, yes. Gargoyle. <laughs> I, well, the gargoyles in previous games are, I guess, technically stone. Certainly in Dark Souls too, but mm-hmm. these have a kind of hewn from stone effect to them. They've got this kind of uh, sort of raw weathered effect on their on their skin if you like or on the outer surface yeah yeah uh, they've uh they've, they've, they've been through some stuff it looks like yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah um yeah. and like this this will be very a very familiar kind of gargoyle fight i think the the biggest wrinkle that i've seen or at least what i noticed the most this time is that they uh will actively use their wings um as, as shields. shields yeah yeah and uh like as they as carry you or bat you with them as well yeah yeah like they, 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 they'll turtle up and then like kind of like lure you in or as you're trying to get away um when they release that 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 block it kind of explodes out and hits you yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and then they have these uh kind of torches um yeah. some of the statuary here kind of looks similar 
to mm-hmm. these torches, like are holding similar things um, that will uh, that they can use that have like a fire element mm-hmm. to them. Um, they're not like I don't think these are a bad fight as long as you're fighting one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, right. I think they're pretty fun to fight. Um, they get frustrating when you're fighting them in, in kind of mixes. <laughs> but uh, yeah. so you're heading towards this this tower. Um, you get to it, you get to the top, and we run into uh, Laddersmith Gilligan. Why? From, uh, <laughs> I, it's just a joke. <laughs> yeah, like it's just he's dead, and there's he's thousands of ladders next to him yeah like i think it's just it's a goof yeah (laughs) i I don't know it's funny i appreciate the goof but like when i when i try to apply like it it just uh it's it's a little bit like a disinformation disinformation campaign like chaff (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's Uh, definitely it's clearly an area that has been sort of completely rent apart by the fire that came down upon it so suddenly you had what presumably was this giant city or or certainly significant space that could be traversed mm-hmm. and there are no staircases to traverse you're walking along kind of very steep-sided broken kind of walkways uh, so yeah it would make sense you need lots of ladders here to kind of be able to traverse mm-hmm. so it kind of feels like Laddersmith Gilligan just came in after the fact and started nailing up ladders left, right, and center, and then just expired from overexertion or something. <laughs> yeah, that was thousands of years ago. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. So we kind of we have two paths we can kind of go through here. Um, either heading down on one side of this tower or the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll do the non-critical path first because the critical path you can get there in about forty seconds. <laughs> really, uh, really we can we can be done yeah. with this area right now. <laughs> Yeah. Um, if we want to, but we Depending have to go. Upon how many mimics you want to fight? <sighs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so we'll, we're going to head down to the to the swamp, yep. swamp church. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> is we'll, one more swamp always needed. Oh yeah. Why, why, why not? Just uh, through, yeah. just bring There's something for swampo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> swampo. Yeah. <laughs> it's Buffo and Wuffo's uh, closet brother. It's like a, we thought Wuffo was it's the, the kid, attic brother. And... Yeah. Swampo the Cajun clown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Monamis. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so as we head down, there's this little trap room that is reminiscent of um, again more depths. depths. Yeah, yeah. Um, where the you know, crystal lizards and rats will try to shepherd you towards these pits um, <laughs> that lead down to swamp church that's full of spider ringus and uh, toxic. Yeah, um, yeah. This is the uh, the toxic swamp. So like you're in big trouble if you try and linger here. Um, it is, it's full of urine, big trouble. <laughs> like, is urine and pee-pee and poo-poo big trouble? Goal. <laughs> Profane goal. Why did you? Um, <laughs> you turn into, like, why are you talking to me like a baby? I don't know. Huh? Well, because I'm turning into a dragon. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, if you, if you drop here, you know, you, you're, you're going to have to trudge through this, uh, through this toxic stuff. Um, yeah. Thankfully, if you, if you kind of go, if you successfully navigate the, the, the narrow pathways, not only do you find a shiny rusty coin where real treasure should God, be. I um, hate the rusty coin <laughs> section. Like, uh, of this. You also get some purple moss um, yeah. here as well. So that is uh, that, that is good. But you're going to have to walk through this. Um, there's not so much down there that you need to get. Like There's a curse by ring, poison gem, triving stone, all kind of boilerplate. Um, but these ringus, the, uh, the, the, the centipede demon kind of guys, uh, they, they, they are not slowed down. So they're going to converge on you and they'll chase you um, really far into this yeah. next area when you go to Swamp yeah. Church. They have like no real, no real uh, leash. Right. Um, heading into Swamp Church, you run into another one of these really fantastic enemy designs. <laughs> yeah. Um, these uh, monstrosities of sin, which are uh, they are clearly like based like I imagine their move set is based on the hippo, like the ogres from it's Dark Souls. The ogre, yeah, yeah, no. very much. Um, um, it, 
especially, yeah, because they will try and sit and roll on you. And if you spend a lot of time looking at their back, it looks exactly the same. It's yeah. Yeah, their head that looks different. Yeah, it's kind of like wrinkly elephant skin, almost. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah on, their, yes. on their malformed carriage. Um, yeah. uh, we've, we're kind of burying the lead here because the most striking thing about them is that they have gigantic hands uh, for heads, six-fingered hands that have kind of these manis tumors um, on the inside of them. Yeah. Yes. It looks so, very similar to the hand that grabs you and takes you into the abyss. Right. Uh, in uh, the upcoming DLC for Dark Souls 3. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, um, and yeah. each hand, you know, each of their actual individual hands and their mega hand has more than five fingers. Like, yeah. they're, they're fantastic looking. Yeah. Yeah, there's a real body horror thing going on. Yeah. Um, they're surreal in a way that Dark Souls isn't always surreal, where it's non, like, biologically <laughs> uh, surreal. Like, this just feels like a like a weird Grant Morrison creation. Yeah, more I was going to invoke that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, much more than, like, a creature that could ever occur in nature. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it, it very much is exactly as terrifying as Hands for Heads sounds like it should <laughs> be, you know. Uh, especially as the fact when you walk into that church, so you've you've already trudged through poison and presumably taken out all of the already incredibly creepy kind of, as you said, centipede demon Ringu girl looking mm. uh, demons. But your first encounter with them, actually, it's just curled up lying on its side, one of them, mm-hmm. um, asleep ostensibly. And we know that thing's getting up. So inevitably you pull out <laughs> a bow or a, a throwing knife or whatever. And then it kind of rolls over and turns around. And you're just like, oh, what have I done? Yeah. This and was a bad idea. Hands for Heads is even more terrifying than they seem because I've audited them. And it is the worst charity that I have ever, <laughs> I've ever seen in my, my 36 years on this earth. Congratulations on holding on to that while I was rabbiting on there. Yeah. <laughs> well, Gary, how else are the former members of the talking heads going to actually eat? It's a it's a tough yeah. life out there if you're yeah. you know if, if you're walking in the shadow. Helping you know? hands for help Tina Weymouth. Uh, you are her base. No, no, not that one. Um, the um, so these guys, I actually like fighting one on one as well. Mm-hmm. It's similar to that, but I don't like fighting them. You know, three on one. Yeah, uh, and, the, and the upper floors gets to be a bit much. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, they have a grab. They drain your uh, humanity um, <laughs> there. And one of them drops this Eleonora axe, which we mentioned. Yeah. Um, and this is the axe that says, oh, wait, no, the profane flame had nothing to do with Yorm. It was because of these, like, these mystics, right. these oracles. Yeah. These certain women. That kind okay. of, like, indolently um, allowed it to happen. Yes. You know, like, it was, uh, it, was, it was, like, negligence or decadence that led to it. Yeah. Yeah. So... But, but okay, they so, also throw in no. relatives of a certain oracle. It's like, well, <laughs> who? I mean, yeah, that that really feels like something that shouldn't like should have been cut that, from the game. Or is that is, dusk? Yeah. Because we've just seen dusk's ring. She she's an oracle. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, that would make sense just by proximity, but notes. not. Yeah. And again, relatives know. of a certain oracle screams daughters of the witch of Isolith, doesn't mm-hmm. it? I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially given we're talking about a profane flame, which profaned could be seen as, you know, a synonym for that would be sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that brings us back to Lost Sinner, who was the reincarnation of Witch of Isolith in Dark Souls 2. So there, there's real mixed message stuff going on yeah. with with the profane flame and none more so in that uh, item description. Additionally, um, an oracle could also be one of the uh, one of the daughters of Manus. Um, alongside that, you yeah. know, remember yeah. there is a chaos association with, uh, uh, I forget her name from the, uh, um, uh, Elium Lois as well. 
Um, mm. You know, again, all, all, yeah, all, all of Dark Souls 2 is in a memory hole, but that is another possible angle. Yeah. So, again, I, I hope, you know, I don't, not banking on it, but it'd be neat if some of this <laughs> stuff was addressed yeah. um, somehow, you know, like uh, in, in a DLC or something squared the circle and made this make more sense. Yeah. I would be into it. <laughs> um, you kind of head up to the outside of this church um, where you, uh, you you run into this uh, this guy who you end up like fighting like an it's not an invader it's an npc right um so he's not a phantom no yeah, i think i think the uh he's just referred to as an unkindled essentially yes. he's just mm. another unkindled in the world yeah yeah um and he's there kind of like using logan's sorcery and in fact when you kill him you get uh, uh logan's scroll yes and this is where it says like lots of people claimed logan's legacy <laughs> and like we know but why didn't you choose yeah, to have one group like that? <laughs> um so it's kind of a tough fight, too, because you're on this. It's kind of cool because you're oh, on yeah. these like weird rooftops. There's lots of interesting tactical things to this fight. Yeah. You know, like yeah. retreating has a lot of risks because you may have run past the uh, hands. Or if you right, retreat too far, you end up in the toxic swamp. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you have to be very sure of your footing. Like, it's kind of a cool fight. Yeah. Um, You've also got the kind of uh, open area on top of the roof that you can kind of kite around as mm-hmm. well. But I think the thing is, when you come upon uh, a an aggressive sorcerer like this guy is your inclination is right. I want to get close. I want to get up close. and no, no he's, yeah. handy. <laughs> he's handy up close as well. Yep. So yeah, you really want to kind of be measuring your dodges and your rolls and being very careful with your spacing on this yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Playing footsies, if you will, <laughs> to find a fighting game term. Yeah. It's a, it, it, it is a good fight. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's also, this is the really obscure way you free Sigurd. Um, which I like, I'm saving my secret thoughts for a little bit later, but you jump through this window across a gap yeah. to get to his, like, you know, the least convenient jail cell in the world to get to. It's a, at least it's a safe gap. Like you're just over a stair, a stairway. So you're yeah. not like, you yeah, know, you risking a run up to do it. Yeah. Um, and you let him out. He thanks you. Um, he gives you a tight night slab. Um, you can also find the covetous gold serpent ring in his room, mm. um, which kind of has interesting text to you. It talks about, you know, a serpent that could have been, but never will be a dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this great bit like where it's like, if your shackles start to bind you, why not engage in some good old fashioned greed? <laughs> um, which I, I like that, that flavor. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, he, again, not a lot of text here from Sigurd. He's just like, I'm on to do my duty. If you've done his duty for him and then come rescue him, uh, you have to, I think you have to kill him to get the slab <laughs> at that point. It ends up becoming kind of tricky. Um, but you can also, you can kill uh, Yorm, which is his duty spoiler, um, and then talk to him later and he'll just thank you for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it, it is fiddly. So the actual mechanics of getting that specific outcome are not, I don't, I don't know them. Right. Um, yep. Dark Souls 3, NPCs.txt. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, there's another, there's a way back into the dungeon itself. You can get by the, by the feet of the giant there. And there's they a introduce a, invisible jailers. Yeah. Oh, it's so weird to throw that in at this point. <laughs> why? <laughs> it's just like, why didn't they have them like drop down or, you know, come in from a place like, because I understand what they're setting up. Like you walk into this hallway, you're like, oh, wow. I'm, you know, appreciating that you're seeing a place from before. It's always a cool feeling. You get the, uh, the jail keepers key ring, which lets you open up some doors yeah. from before they were frustratingly locked. And then there's just an ambush waiting for you. Yeah. But like yeah. just the idea that they're, you know, this place is lit up with orange soapstone messages um, saying like, hey, attack here. And they're right there. Like that feels like such a such a hack. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really weird. Yeah. I mean, how many ways have we seen different ambushes? As, as you say, yeah, 
drop down from above, come from around the corner, flank you from either side of the door. There's any number of things they could have done just to suddenly make them invisible for the first time and have two of them standing there again for no reason. It just seems really weird. I, I... Again, you know, Dark Souls Three, uh, uh, you know, afraid of quiet time. <laughs> you know, like yeah. this, this could have been like this widow. You know, this little like, oh, I'm going back through here. I've got a feeling of accomplishment because to get to here, you're doing like a pretty obscure kind of thing. Yeah. Um, again, you know, you could have, you had to go through this this toxic swamp. Toxic is the most feared like status element of the game, other than perhaps curse. Um, you're mm. fighting these very tough enemies. You know, you've earned it. You know, getting here, it wouldn't have been. Uh, bad from a flow perspective to let you just kind of do a victory lap and unlock this, yeah. this shortcut to go back. Well, because you're also um, getting like a really good item. Like you're getting a key that will get you more more game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's sending you back into the dungeon as well, which is really cool. So, so you yeah. grab the key and go back into the dungeon thinking, right, what, you know, let's find the doors that it yeah. unlocks. And, mm. and it, I don't think it would have hurt anything just to be kind of a chill moment, you know? There's so Definitely. little of those just kind of quiet moments of walking through an area in this game. Especially um, as if, if you haven't uh, killed the giant and the rats, or you've you've reset them at the profaned uh, capital bonfire. You're, you're coming out there to a hole in the wall and seeing that giant with all the rats below and thinking, right, mm. this is my moment to take them on and find out what's down here. And, you know, there's a, a big kind of a moment of, stealing yourself to jump down into something that you know is going to be a difficult fight. And to that would have been a nice build-up, as you say, just to kind of come through that door, realize where you are, and then steal yourself for another encounter. Um, yeah. Sadly, no. Yeah. Um, there's another way we could have went, uh, rather than going to unlock Siegbird, um, which is really the, that's kind of the, what you're doing here, you mm-hmm. know, is because the, um, that's kind of the thing that makes this boss make sense, uh, even <laughs> if I don't like it. Like, it's the thing, you know... That's the point of this boss is to finish this NPC, really. Um, the direct path is really short. Uh, you go down this kind of crumbling bridge where you're getting sniped by fire. Um, there are these kind of uh, these handmaidens who are around a kiln off in the distance that has huge, huge range. Um, it's kind of Lord Vessel looking, but not quite. No. Um, it's not. I looked at it really close this time of playing it because some people were supposing that maybe that in the uh, Ashes of Ariandel trailer, mm-hmm. um, there's a boss that holds a kiln. Um, it's not this one. No. Um, the one that that boss holds is yeah. more elaborate than this one. Yeah. The only elaborate thing about this is that it is held up by statues of what, what appear to be priests or peasants. Something yes. like that. Yeah. Um, but the whole point is you're kind of going through this narrow bridge. You fight a gargoyle on it while getting sniped at so <laughs> kind of the trick here is yeah. just run it get shelter yeah you, you when you say you fight it you mean you run past it right yes yeah, yeah. you're in, you encounter it mm-hmm. um and then you end up in this just kind of hallway which is really just that this is the profane capital um uh, it looks is, neat like it I, look, I, I love it, the detail along the floors and stuff yeah because it, it you see tons of corpses uh with tons of riches that did not melt because the profane flame was like how we used to think of nuclear weapons, like neutron bombs that would mm-hmm. just, you know, just kill people and leave their cities for us to, to plunder. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and uh, tons of handmaidens. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. a very small area where they're probably like, I don't know, 14 or something like that between <laughs> these three different encounters with them and really, yeah. really short yeah. space. Yeah. Um, a shitload of them at the far end. Um, yeah. Beyond where you, uh, where, where, where you come in. Um, so these appear to be the jailers, right? They're kind of wearing a similar mask. They have like a similar like conical uh, kind of thing. Uh, Princess um, hat. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of veiled. They're wearing like different colored clothes, but they're attacking in a different way, which just leads me to believe they probably either um, they, they like hid and then came back 
or they've always been here. It's very unclear. These handmaidens, and it's strongly implied that they're the ones who ushered in the uh, the flame. Yeah, well, there's um, so the way they're dressed, they're veiled and and they're wearing almost white uh, and carrying a candle essentially, um, a bit like the. Uh, the the deacons, I suppose, there's that aspect to them, and the way they move and and the way they're positioned, kind of all kind of grouped together, either around that uh, sort of kiln with the, the flame in, or at either end of this hallway, has a a kind of religious or worshiping aspect to it, mm-hmm. which makes it even stranger that this seems to have an aspect of uh, deification or worship of perhaps the flame itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got the church off to the other side that we've just been through, and that doesn't feel like it's set up to worship the profane flame or anything close to it. So you've you essentially got two temple-slash-church-style areas right next to one another, yeah. which is a bit weird, like especially given they feel so different. Both worshipping almost like different aspects of the profane flame, one for the flame, one for the yeah. dark. Yes, I yeah, mean, maybe, yeah. They they definitely seem worshipy. I mean, when you say that it's strongly implied, I don't know if I would agree with that. Like, it's implied through lack of other options. You know, yeah, like, we I, know I just, that some uh, ladies did that, and the um these are the ladies that happen to be here. The only thing that's actually on them is information about them being sadists. You know, they're yes, kind of torturers. Um, there's yeah. nothing in their item descriptions or in their clothes that say, like, these are the people who ushered in the flame. The only thing that talks about oracles or ladies ushering in the flame is the Eleonora. Is the Eleonora. Yeah. That I that I could um, find unless unless you found yeah. something that I didn't. No, I didn't no. See. I mean that, that that's what I'm refer, that's what I'm referring to, and that is you know it, it is a lack of other options. But I'm just I'm drawing a line from that, referring to this class of priests, to these priests who are here who happen to be worshiping flame. Yeah, or, uh, an oracle, relatives of a certain oracle. Mm, yeah, you know it doesn't say anything about a class of priests. Like I'm not I'm not blaming you. I'm saying that like you are doing the thing that the game, the only thing the game allows you to do. Mm-hmm. You know because yeah. of the way that it's yeah. it's kind of spelled out, like. Sure, that makes sense, but it'll like there's there's not it's just it's more of like yeah there's just nothing else there for it to be yeah you know no so uh, the thing that struck me about them was so the way they're dressed and the way they move very slowly very quietly it it looks like the way people behave in a church or a cathedral Mm. or in catacombs beneath thereof you know when you're kind of in a religious space there's very much that aspect to the way that they are moving and behaving. Um, like they're explicitly called handmaids, like yes, they're not they called, J- you know, handmaids, yeah. Yeah. priest or oracles or anything. And that would have been such an easy connection to make if yeah. they were supposed to be, if they were, you know, dagger used by the oracles of the profane capital, bam, you know, like that would have done it. But they're like a handmaid yeah. is a servant. Like it's not, you know, no, it's, true. it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. not a, so we, again, I'm not necessarily criticizing uh, either of you for that conclusion because the game doesn't allow space for another conclusion. It's just that way that like you end up going against the text to make the text make sense in this game. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, and, and I, don't, I don't necessarily know who these people are or what they're doing here. Um, the other weird thing is, is if, I mean, they're, they're called in the guide, at least, jailer handmaids. Now, possibly just jailer because they happen to look exactly like the jailers mm-hmm. and they're clearly related to in some way, even if it's just design. Uh, but the handmaid question is, well, who are, so a handmaid has someone to, to wait on, uh, mm-hmm. some someone to tend to, and the only person, if it, if it or the only being there would be Yorm that they could be handmaids for, which is is plausible. Uh, Yorm has lost his sense of self at this point, 
mm-hmm. enough that he's lost sense of what he's supposed to be doing. And maybe they are attending to him and, and maybe Jailer Handmaid signifies that actually they're keeping him there. But again, other than the name, there's not a lot there to suggest that. Um, yeah. They're outside of his room. It looks like he could get up and leave whenever he wanted. That's certainly implicit in the storyline that Sigurd's involved in, is mm-hmm. that he, he he should be leaving. He should not be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and, and it's of his own volition or lack of ability to do so that he is. Um, and the only other thing I guess they could be handmade for is the flame. Yeah. I mean, and, if, and, if it if it has like a, a servant, it's kind of a weird uh, yeah. phrasing, but it, it's possible. It, it's also the super rare drop where they drop uh, the gargoyle polish of Nim. So I, I think that's probably who they're serving is they're just polishing up those cracks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm just lying. The um, Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that it, it is, uh, it's convenient in a way that doesn't sit right with me. Um, yeah, that yeah, feels cool. like sloppy storytelling. Um, yeah. Um, especially since like the fact that they're like sadist and they enjoy... Like, that doesn't feel like somebody who would bring this great power into the world. You know, the two things so, we know about them is that they're called you know, they're called handmaidens and <laughs> that they have this dagger that causes bleeding for, like, torture reasons. And those yeah. things are related in, like, yes, both are bad. You know, the profane flame is profane and bad. And this is. But they're different. There's, like, scale dissonance. Like, the, the, the scale of torturing somebody and making them bleed is not the same scale as creating a cataclysm yeah, it's that destroys a civilization. Yeah. yeah. You know? This is like saying the street tough is the person who actually like you know uh, sent WMDs to you know a country. Yeah. Like no, he just sticks you up for your lunch very, money. Very very different forms of, uh, well, in, entirely different forms of being almost. Mm-hmm. To one doesn't forget the other in any way, shape, or form. Um, so th- the other thing that's related to Sullivan in this uh, respect is that it's said in a couple of item descriptions relating to the profane flame that those who wield the flame uh, lose things either their heart or their soul. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that pertains to, to Sullivan himself wielding the sword imbued with flame. Uh, the, uh, the witches that have the holy witches, is it that have the, the, that are in Irithil and have the, the flame sort of uh, staffs um, and these handmaids also, uh, and the gargoyles as well, their their um, stone hammers are imbued with the profane flame as well. Um, so there is a sense that by wielding this to do damage to someone else, they're losing their sense of self, or they're losing themselves to the flame. Um, so there is that kind of, that, I mean, that's masochistic almost. Yeah, that might sadism. be where the sadism uh, comes from. But, yeah. Yeah, there is that. It just well, feels like, like an act of sorcery of creating the profane flame just seems bigger than like they could have been the subject of it and again you you also could totally be right and that's what it is too it just there's not enough there for me to to get to that location like I, yeah, yeah yeah i just don't feel like it's it's finished i don't feel like that story is told you know um anyway yeah. sorry to, to derail uh no, with no. that i just you know um, i think that just speaks to some of the frustration that i know you guys have had having listened to previous episodes and i've i've had as well not so much whilst i was playing the game but certainly in the months since uh since release yeah it's, it's a game that is more fun to play through than to think back on yeah so you know? with yeah. dark souls it was it was the opposite i played through the game and had a sense of what was going on and the more i thought thought about it and sought out other information the more it made sense and the more i could 
get from it. Whereas this kind of feels like when I was going through, I was getting from it the same hints and callbacks and cameo appearances of previous characters. I was getting that from it and enjoying it because playing the game is, is playing the game. And, you know, and technically, uh, mechanically, I enjoyed uh, this game mm-hmm. incredibly. But then afterwards, the more I think about what's going on, and this area is kind of, well, all the areas are, but this area feels like a microcosm of that, where the more I try to pull at a string and think, right, what does this mean? It just comes away and there's nothing there. And so I end up trying to probably read more into like who the handmaids are than I should. But it feels like I have to because there's not enough there to substantiate any reading of who they are, really. You end up with just like a handful of strings. uh, Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. um, We we go over into kind of the wealth room over here where there are chests um, and just tons of witches uh, here and a gargoyle ambush. (laughs) um which is another you know it they're not quite as deadly as the jailers so you don't have to it's not quite as tedious to clear this out one by one or to just dive in like you're more you can be more successful doing that yeah they're very Um, slow to cast um their slow moving fireballs the only danger here is in uh numbers and in crossfire if they spread out and can kind of triangulate on you and the mimic well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that we're, we're yeah. going to get to that. Mimics <laughs> yeah. and gargoyle coming down behind you can be the can be the other issue. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, just like the, the, these uh, these priests in a uh, in, in a vacuum are not the problem in yes. of themselves. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. even with which maybe is, is why like, yeah. they put so many in there because it, it it almost feels like it makes no difference whether there's fourteen or one in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and if you go through there and uh, open up the chest or just try to make a run, you'll get punched by a mimic. Uh, one of which has a fucking rusted gold coin. Yep, it's two of uh, them too. So like oh, yeah. this can be a, this can be a goddamn war zone, and uh, you're going to either try and clear it out or you're going to just make a run for it. Uh, not only <laughs> so usually when there's a there are two chests and a mimic is involved, it's one of them and it's punishing you for not paying attention and stopping. Here, mm-hmm. the fact that it's both of them, we haven't seen that before. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, it's 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 a novel, um, but man, oh man, does it feel just like a kick in the balls um, in an uncharacteristic way? Yeah. yeah, and you don't get rewarded for it as a, as a no. double. You know, well, yeah, kick. I mean, yeah, that, that's <laughs> the the whole thing is a kick, a kick in the balls. Yeah, multiple yeah. kicks, multiple legs. Um, the uh, you you can get a, that coin, you can get a great shield of glory, which is. Like at this point, if you're doing a great shield build, you probably already found your great shield that you want, unless you're doing this for fashion souls, um, which is like you know not a bad looking great shield. Yeah, uh, it, uh, it, it looks like a like a fan design one actually. Yeah, yeah, it does. No, that's, the, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. The the other thing is that uh, Yorm's great shield is pretty nearby here, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. and and that's a pretty darn good great shield as well. So. It's going to yeah. be for appearances because, as you say, you're either going to already have whatever great shield you found, or you're about to get a boss soul one that is is pretty darn good as well. So it mm. feels a bit unnecessary, but yeah, it's better, yeah. better than rusted coins, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, anything's better than rusted coins. Um, this this great shield, the item description, which is kind of Teflonian and doesn't have much to do with things. Um, is frustrating to me because this would have been a place where they could have filled in some of these cracks. Mm-hmm. And yeah. every time I pick up a rusted coin here, it's frustrating to me because that could have been something that could have filled in a crack, you know? Like yeah, item descriptions yeah. and, and treasure placements are opportunities in this game. They're not random. 
And the fact that this needed so much more love and there were opportunities to do it uh, is part of why that ends up being so anger-making to me. Um, but speaking of anger-making, let's get on to this, uh, this boss thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. located in the center here, one of the cross hallways, there is a fog door. Um, and so, okay, we're, we're here. We know that Yorm sits, uh, sits lonely and sullen in the profane capital. And when we step through, um, if we have fulfilled all of the, uh, requirements for Seaward's quest, um, you know, we get this dramatic angle of not just you walking through, but the camera lingers and holds. And a first for this series, um, Seaward is actually following you, um, you know, like a step behind, um, and is here and he, you know, basically says something. I'll, I'll just cut in the dialogue here. Yom, old friend. I, secret of the Knights of Katarina, have come to uphold my promise. Let the sun shine upon this Lord of Cinder. And uh, this begins the fight with uh, with with Yorm the Giant. So I, I had Sigurd with me on my first attempts at this, <laughs> which I'm I realize I have to now justify because it sounds so unlikely. So on my first playthrough, <laughs> I would have actually got to the end of Secrets Quest, but but I did, um, mm. simply because I I, I wasn't treating I, I wasn't assuming that the game was going to be structured like Bloodborne, where you kind of just want to push forward. So I was frequently going back to areas just to see what if there was anything else I could unlock or find or do. And Cathedral of the Deep, obviously, there's stuff like Rosaria's area um, Mm -hmm. that I need to go and find and do. And there was area, the sort of rafters at the top I hadn't been to, but I knew were there. Um, So I was going back to that. And the fact that you pretty much always want to go back to the Cleansing Chapel bonfire meant that I came out one time, having gone further past uh, this to Irithel, I think almost in the game, and saw the enemy wasn't there and so was able to fulfill that part, which I guess is the main part that people lose Seagward, um, is that you have to have already done the um, the chapel yeah, and then go back to it to find him in the well. And when you get patches into Firelink Shrine, it's going to be a bit kind of iffy as well. Um, mm. So yeah, I ended up having him with me just because I was my first playthrough took me like 80 hours or something and I was just going mm. back to areas repeatedly like all the time just to see if there was anything else there yeah um, and ended up tripping over it <laughs> and that's a, that's a heck of an entrance for this fight yeah for the first time around it really is cool <laughs> it, yeah. it is it's like pretty neat it's one of those things where um, you know I and I will get to all of the the various problems I have with Seaward and, and this boss but the um, it is such a limp fart if you don't have Seaward with you Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is. Feels like it's, it's made for him being there. It's one hundred percent made for him being there, and the yeah. fact that like it's it's cool that you're able to find them. And I've talked to other people who found him on their first time as well. Um, it feels unlikely to me, you know, to complete his quest well, line on d- on your first run. It is. Even you know, even yeah. if you know what you're doing, it still feels unlikely to actually get it to happen mm. because you're reliant on when when you unlock the tower at Firelink Shrine to get patches to come in, or when you've been <laughs> through the chapel and met patches there and. 
in order mm. to then be able to buy the armor to throw down. It just it's too many steps that feel it's like they are not linked, yeah. and therefore you can't be in control of when you're going to come across them yeah. or come across him. It, it probably makes sense to talk about this fight in kind of like escalating levels of or <laughs> de-escalating levels of difficulty, right? Because this is kind of a different fight depending on how you come to it and what you what you use. Um, and what's kind of a bummer about it is like it never at, at none of these levels does it get interesting to me. If you fight mm-hmm. him just on his own terms, it is really just like a big humanoid enemy boss fight. You know, he's with, he's really big. With- um, go ahead. Extreme ankle resistance, though. Yeah. So, like, there is a it's different way you're dragon. You know, yes. Type levels of health. You're just chipping away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're, you you're incentivized. Stone. You know, he can be a ranged fight. You mm-hmm. can you can shoot him in the head with arrows a lot. Yeah. You know that's viable. Yeah. But he will, you know, just kind of like his 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 attack. Um, kind of repertoire is very limited. It's mostly he's attacking mm-hmm. with this kind of like gigantic machete kind of thing. And he's um, fast as well. Yeah, he will close distance um, yeah. like a beast. Like, old hero is a is a pretty good touchstone for this fight, but yeah, that's a that's a way different fight because there's a lot <laughs> of strategy involved in being quiet, moving quietly, yeah, and not letting him know where you are. And there just isn't that here. He will turn mm-hmm. even if you've sprinted to the other end of the arena, and he's on you before you can even if you have storm ruler charge the sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'll get maybe one shot off at his head, and then he's on you, and you have to. <laughs> move you know yeah it's um yeah so you mentioned the storm ruler um if you can make a beeline for the uh <laughs> for the throne and uh in the middle of the fight equip this sword um which good on you if you can do that um you're able to uh kind of use this uh relic from demon souls times um in order to charge up the sword with uh with storms which for some reason um i guess giants are like dogs and that storms are real bad for them they just get real please thank you for you use fireworks around your arm right right um and so uh, you can use this and you end up kind of doing a very similar kind of like wind slash um as you as you kind of charge it up and so this you know it does massive damage like you can take them down in just uh just a handful of these uh of, of these yeah. attacks yeah. if you can if you can pull them off and and th- then the fight becomes about um kind of managing the distance and you know hoping that you're able to charge it up and get a shot off um you know while he's uh you know before he can get in and, and, yeah. and interrupt you there's some kindnesses here where um your storm ruler will hold a charge mm-hmm. yeah. um, once you get to the kind of break point and you have the wind the wind will swirl around it's visually indicated um figuring out how to do it uh realizing it's a weapon art Mm-hmm. kind of thing like it's a, it was a little bit yeah. tricky to me um, but you can make that happen and then like you said Cole it's just about he gets increasingly aggressive so your windows get narrower and narrower where you can actually hit him with the thing yeah um, yeah. Um, the easiest way to do it is with Sigurd with you doing the exact same thing with another copy of the unique sword mm-hmm. um, where yeah. he uh, it's, I mean it's not unique in this world but you know and then it's just you know one of you can draw aggro while the other one uh, kind of gets him with the, the storm ruler, and then it's beyond trivial. Right. Um, so it's never hard. It's never that interesting in any version of it. You know, like I fought him on my alone on my first time. Yeah. You know, because I didn't do, and it's not that noteworthy, but it's also, you know, not that interesting of a challenge. It's a real gimmick mm-hmm. boss kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the challenge was realizing there was an item in the room. <laughs> you know, I, I think then, that's the uh, thing because so often, like there are bosses, um, like. Oh, why am I forgetting the name of the 
third boss in Bloodborne. The Blood poison beast, beast thing. Yeah, Blood Blood beast. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Where you've got the antidotes behind the altar. And if you happen to go around there and see them, you might pick them up and that's useful. But usually items in a boss room, you don't pick them up mid-fight, you just leave them for the end. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you're focused on the boss. And especially in this case where the boss is closing you down so quickly. Um, the, the only thing that gave me the opportunity to do that was Secret was in there with me, drawing aggro. And so I was over here thinking, well, my weapon's doing nothing. Heal up over at the throne, pick the item up, Storm Ruler, and of course... Immediately, I knew what was going on because <laughs> demon souls, and that makes mm-hmm. sense. But again, storms defeating giants—does it? That, Does it make sense, James? Well, yeah, it, it's not pre-established. And okay, we've got seven different varieties of giant at this point. It's basically Heinz baked beans. But it's—it's <laughs> <laughs> it's not a gigantic I mean? uh, like, sky manta. It doesn't uh, apply to any of the other giants. That yeah. we've seen, mm, as far right. as we know, it's never been mentioned. It's never been, you know, it's just never been relevant. No. And and now suddenly this is lore in the way that storm ruler could be used to defeat, you know, the the storm king, isn't it? Um, yeah. In in storm king, like storm king, the storm ruler storm king relationship is like holy to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. that is something yeah. that is so cool to be on this windswept vista. Yeah as yeah. like this giant thing that is bigger than any enemy in the game is yeah. making these like off in the distance and you find a sword like in a mm-hmm. fucking stone and the like this it's amazing <laughs> this, this broken sword that is useless elsewhere but ends up being the key to this uh kind of fight that has been unique in the series like mm-hmm. that fight to me is emblematic of so many of the cool things that demon souls did totally yeah Totally. And but, it's just like, uh, I have found a legend. <laughs> you know, I'm enacting, and that plays into the, the story of that place, like the, this culture that is uh, based around these kind of death legends and stuff. Like, I'm enacting this legend. It feels amazing uh, in Demon Souls. And, Here, and the other thing, the other thing or, is, you need the Storm Ruler because mm-hmm. you don't have a way to to fight this thing. Well, you can do it with arrows. Um, both the fights you can do with arrows. Um, you could, but basically, if you're used to relying on being a melee character, in theory, with with this fight with Yorm, you could think that's the way you have to take him down, is just chip away at his ankles. Right. You know, like Amygdala, you can chip away oh, at the ankles. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, you, can, you can kill one there, you know. And, and Yeah, and, and you might think that's the way to do it. But with, with the Storm King you kind of get the feeling that this isn't the right way to kill this. You know, you feel like you're cheesing it, hiding behind the rock, popping out arrow, pop out arrow, uh, and trying to time it. And it feels like, well, this isn't an epic boss fight. This is me, you know, with a slingshot, trying Mm -hmm. to take, you know, David versus Goliath type thing. And then you pick up Storm Ruler and think, I get it, now I've got you, I know what's going on. Uh, And in this fight... It just feels like there's an extra, extra leap in logic required there mm-hmm. because he is just a big giant. You've been hacking ankles of big giants before now. Totally. Just do the same. Uh, yeah. So it was only the fact that I had Sigurd him with me that meant that I thought this is not right. Picked up the item, saw it was Storm Ruler, had the chance to equip it, and that made the boss fight a spectacle, at least, even though it wasn't interesting. You feel powerful. Mm-hmm. It's the spectacle of going in there with Sigurd at your side, which, let's face it, on your first playthrough is, this is Siegmeier. I'm getting to do this with that guy, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And and so there's there's that notion to it. 
and it over it for me it overcame the fact that yeah there's no interesting way to do this boss fight um it's just spec spectacular enough to kind of get by but it, it is really that, empowering that, to like just yeah. you know destroy him with with magic you know I, I get that that part of it it just it's hard this thing and this plays into secret too and i promise Cole, i'll let you talk i, I apologize for, <laughs> for for taking uh, so much of this I, i'm sorry it is uh, i've been in, in many ways this season has been leading up to this moment for me no i'm just letting you talk <laughs> um the uh so it's impossible for me not to consider this character and this boss and this section uh not in contrast with the things that came before which isn't me being unfair it's dark souls 3 setting them up as echoes and you you know the the fact like i had this holy sword i had this mountain experience this thing uh you know with the storm king here it's on the ground um it's reappearing again it's not a unique thing to this culture it's not a unique weapon and there's two of them like that is so shitty and just doesn't feel cool to me like but one goes it, to the doubter and one goes to the loyal friend i'm well, not actually get, defending it i'm just yeah they, they i mean they say it's the same thing with the it's similar to the logan thing where like you can just say like you can have an IM description that says no this happens all the time like this is everywhere mm-hmm. but just having a description that says that it happens doesn't mean it was a good choice to actually do it um, so it took this thing that was very empowering uh, in like made me feel like I was the hero of an uh, epic legend and now it just they're just everywhere you know like two unique swords you don't like go roll up with two Excaliburs unless you're doing the item duke glitch so edge can have things to throw you know like it's uh for the most part you don't like there shouldn't be two excalibers there shouldn't be two you know mirror masses like these are yeah that just is fundamental it could to have been me as an idea it could have been something new that achieved a very similar effect but didn't actually strictly evoke the exact same thing that was yes. that, that 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 we you know like are are, are coming to it you know, that i care about that, yeah the word that we're bringing to it yeah, you know, it, you know like, that you that you the company FromSoft did a lot of work to make me care about, mm-hmm. you know, and succeeded, and now again in that way that Dark Souls Three is just kind of fuck you, like people who care you know care about this stuff in some ways, like, you know, I cared about that, and now it's shitty, mm-hmm. um, you know, not to mention the fact that like it's internally inconsistent where it's not a sword that is good against giants, no, it's a sword that's good against Yorm. What would it have hurt? Like. Would it have been anything like a bad Easter egg to make this work on other giants and do the same thing? You know, then at the very least, it's internally consistent. Instead, it doesn't, it, within the physics or the magic of the game, it's inconsistent because it only works on Yorm. It mm-hmm. says it works on giants, it doesn't do anything. Um, that's really frustrating, yeah. you know, to me as well. Um, and that's without even getting into the secret, which is like its whole, a whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it's anticlimactic. Is 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 one of one of my biggest problems with this. I have no problem with an easy fight, but just um, I don't know. Like it just it, he's it, one it, of the Lords of Cinder. Yeah, like yeah. He's, like he's it one of the be, four guys, you know. And you know, if you're going to do that, like a, a, a great thing to do with a fight that is as that they're trying to load with as much significance as this, and also that is kind of like as mechanically I don't know, cheesy as this one is, or let's let's just say corny. Uh, whichever mm-hmm. food you want to uh, ascribe a negative negative connotation to, you know what you you, you know what pairs really 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 well with that pathos. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like uh, I'm not asking for you know every everything like this to be Estrella, but it's it's really really hard to care, and it feels like they are just kind of festooning this half developed thing 
with you know totems of talisman saying like hey maybe just maybe your care for this thing that we've we, that we've associated with this will kind of carry it through um in you know in in the in, <laughs> you know with, with uh, dealing with a lack of anything new that you know, any work that we could have done is uh, i was trying to avoid saying they didn't work very hard at this but that that ultimately is where it comes down for me i guess it is i mean i think that people who uh and you know i have a, a publicly different op- opinion about secret than a lot of people but i think that if you one thing that feels very evident to me and you can still disagree with it but something i feel very sure of is that like the way that this is trying to uh evoke those emotions and borrow that feeling from those old games is very intentional mm-hmm. so when i complain yeah. about secret sometimes people will be like oh he's just another guy from katarina you shouldn't compare him to Seymour at all I don't buy that no, at all. Come on, that's like, the same voice actor, the same mannerisms, exactly. The same that, bumbling nature, and yeah, okay, he's a bit more of a badass, but that's it's, it's willfully obtuse to me yeah. to, to say that well, you know they're they're not trying to draw these comparisons and not trying to evoke that feeling but, in me, and well, it's, it's such a fumble at doing that. We'll get you a new cat who looks exactly like the old cat. Don't worry, <laughs> he'll have he'll he'll have all the same spots. The, the first time you meet him, he literally appears from the ground like magic in front yeah. of your eyes. Lit, lit he like says God. the same they thing, know, too. He says, like, know. I've been in quite a pickle. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. is. They it know is. exactly what that is. Yeah, definitely. Um, they want you to compare him to Siegmeier, and he comes up really wanting in, in real fundamental ways to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not... I'm, I'm a big... Uh, I'm not a big fan at all of... of backseat game design I just want to ask in in particular so instead of this being a kind of like thread the needle type NPC plot where you're kind of having to jump through so many hoops out of order kind of you know your chances are most people are not going to stumble upon this without reading through a guide on their second or third playthrough Mm -hmm. um, and get him into that arena which is at least seemingly the way that that fight is supposed to happen. Thematically and mechanically, it makes sense that Sigurd's in there next to you. And for Mm -hmm. me, the spectacle, that worked. Do you think it would have been too cheap, or do you think it might have been a good idea, to make his quest far more uh, just... It's going to happen. You, You meet him at several points during the game. In order to progress, you have to help him his is going to be the one NPC quest you cannot fail, and he is going to be walking into this room next to you, and then don't have two Storm Rulers. He is able to fight Yorm. You are not without Storm Ruler, so he mm-hmm. distracts Yorm while you almost um, like Archdragon Peak, like the sort of gimmick fight there, where you're going around the entire arena while this dragon's in the middle. So have Sigurd and Yorm fighting in the middle, mm-hmm. and you have to make your way even with him shouting hints if needs be and I know that's way <laughs> too leading the, the horse by the nose type thing but yeah. they, they could have made a spectacle of that potentially yeah. done something different with his NPC quest and made the fight more about you getting this sword and taking down Yorm whilst he mm-hmm. helped his friend if you like Yeah. Or, or they could have even gone the other way and made it about Sigurd taking out down Yorm Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, yeah. Henri is about taking down Sullivan, and that would have been kind of an interesting. It would have been a little bit player disempowering. But if he came in with a storm ruler and you were just there to run distraction mm-hmm. for him, like you can't fail the quest, 
it's it's a little yeah. bit it would be easier but what we have now instead is that uh for a lot of players because the quest line is so fiddly uh Sigurd's not going to make sense yeah. Sigurd's just going to disappear off the map so all of that time or if you were interested in that storyline it was wasted mm -hmm. and yorm isn't going to make sense because yeah. the the fight doesn't have any of that sense of pathos we have like four lines that say he was kind of lonely and people made fun of him <laughs> which like you know it's, I, I feel sympathy for people who are lonely nerds but the uh, there's not the weight that we have with any other of the Lord of Cinders yeah. without this cutscene kind of propping it up. Yeah, they put the with, uh, they put the maximum yeah. punch behind the thing that is least likely to happen. And when you have this thing that is supposed to be a tentpole encounter in your game, you know, I think that you should you should at least design it so that and, you know we we Monday morning quarterback all the time, but I feel, I feel kind of bad saying this, but like it you know they they should at least design it so that it's not an inevitability, but you you would have to actively fuck it up as opposed to mm. just breathe you know and yeah. breathe mm. the wrong way in the wrong direction, and then all of a sudden you know you're getting a diminished experience out of this, and you know I when, the first time I did this, I just got the storm ruler and I beat him in one go. It was it was fine. Like not having Sigurd there doesn't make this impossible. I don't want it to come across like we're like we're saying that. It doesn't make it hard. It makes it meaningless. Right. Like it doesn't it doesn't have the any of that sense of like pathos, and you don't know the full story. Right. Like, it, if Yorm is a good story, you need Sigurd there. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I'm not yes, totally the convinced one thing this story. fight has going for it. Basically, yes. is what we're kind of saying. Isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. That like that is the thing that's noteworthy. So it doesn't make it too hard. It just makes it not cool enough you know um especially on the heels of aldia like which is the order i did this in and that's that is such a letdown. down like Aldr aldrich yeah thank you uh thank you uh Aldr. um can uh is this a good time for my tight two on sigurd or do we have more yarm yarm things to say there's nothing to say about yarm i think we've i think we've hit it like it's it, it you charge up the storm ruler and win <laughs> yeah. So as the climax to, to Sigurd's story, right? Like we get Sigurd and I talked about this way back in Undead Settlement when we run into him. At first, it seems like Sigurd is going to be a subversion of Sigmeyer um, because he helps you with the demon. And it's like very clearly very similar to the Chaos Eaters in Isleth. Mm -hmm. um, somewhere along the line, that stopped being the case. Uh, and you just end up, he just becomes Sigmeyer too. You know, he just keeps getting into trouble. Yeah. You keep helping him out. Uh, stuck you know, down so a well, stuck in a cell. Yeah, yeah. Suck yeah. It, yep. Wells, wells and cells. Yeah, for, for miles um, and miles. Get, get, gets caught in a in a really bad relationship with Chell from Portal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> wells, Chell, mm -hmm. wells can, and, yeah. can, can identify a weird smell. Um, yeah, and he, all those all those pickles are yeah. just uh, you know <laughs> back and forth. And he's very like very likable. Uh, but when you get to the end of his storyline, this is the climax of his story. Um, and we can talk about what the actual dialogue here happens where. Uh, after you beat him with um, with Siegmeier, or Sigurd, um, he says, like, now for a final toast to your valor and my old friend. May the sun shine. Um, long may the sun shine. Now I'm going to take a little nap. The only thing to do after a toast. Uh, your true friend. He's very nice to you. Best yeah. of luck. Um, and then he either uh, dies as you walk up if this is not your last Lord of Cinder, his purpose fulfilled. Um, or you get teleported away, which, like, that's a whole other thing. Uh, and then you come back and his armor is there, so maybe he didn't die. There's no body. People in the, <laughs> the community are saying, like, no, he's still alive. You know, he's still good. It's still good. Um, regardless of which, I don't care. Uh, and the reason I don't care whether he dies is because there is, compared to Dark Souls 1 NPCs, Dark Souls 3 NPCs aren't about things in the way that I want them to be. Mm -hmm. um, where... I associate the series of having NPCs that are, have a very strong thesis behind them that reveal a human truth. 
Yeah. Um, you know, we teased Naked Logan a lot. Logan is about the pursuit of knowledge and the, the you know, you're better off not knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that is, that's a, that's a universal truth that is true in my life. And there's a character in this video game that's about. And my favorite NPC in this entire series by a country mile of Siegmeier, mm-hmm. because the profundity about what he's about is really something I don't see addressed very often, which is that yeah. uh, people need a purpose and robbing them of their purpose is an act of violence as harsh as any other. You know, yeah. so the, uh, you know, you that whole time you're doing this weird stuff. It's just, it, you know, it's very fiddly. But like, if you just keep solving this guy's problem for him, it's not about tough love. It's not that he won't learn. It's that he doesn't have a reason to be, you know, he identifies himself as a hero. You're robbing his identity mm-hmm. uh, from him. That's great. Yeah. Like that is so good. I don't remember what I said during the season. Um, it's possible my appreciation has grown more mm-hmm. for this character. Um, but I love that. Yeah. The point of Siegward. Friendship is nice. Honor is good. <laughs> you know, like the point of him is yeah. he's keep, mercy your, killing his Keep friend. your promises, kid. It's a, it's, it's like a Mr. It's T. a golden book. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, it's gone from this thing that is a theme that's very resonant in my life and feels adult and sophisticated and like literary mm-hmm. to something that is literally like a fable that yeah. is just, you know, something you tell a kid, like it's like something Barney would say, <laughs> you know, and I, I, I don't mean that. The, um... Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, I it just, uh, and that's where it loses me. It's like, it just adds up to him being a good guy, yeah. you know? And like, that's great. Good guys are good, but I expect more from this series and this writing than yeah. that. I think, um, so uh, what I was about to say when I rudely interrupted, apologies, um, was it would have been like if Siegmeier's quest was just reuniting him with Siegland. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, Those exactly. characters, getting them back together would have been great. That would have been fine. Yeah, he's a bumbling idiot. She's actually way more capable and is looking after him. And, and that would have still been a nice story. Yeah. But there's no resonance there. The resonance in that story for me is walking down onto the beach on Ash Lake and seeing him dead. Mm-hmm. Like It's at her feet, but essentially, in my mind, it's in her arms. Yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and she actually resigned to the fact that this is probably the best thing for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you realizing you did this to him. You did this to mm-hmm. them. She may accept it, but that, that's, you did that. You didn't know you were doing it necessarily, but you took away his agency. You took away his raison d'etre, however you want to put yeah. it. Um, whereas with this one, yeah, you you get the spectacle of him helping his friend, but actually, yeah, what's it saying about that? Is, <laughs> it's yeah, empty. It's really a empty. Loyal friend. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, goodness is good. <laughs> Slavery is wrong. You know, uh, world hunger is bad, you know, and there are, so this is something that like has has always stuck in my craw and I wrote a really long thing about it and I'll put in the show notes and Sean, uh, Sean Wagner, who was in our last episode, really Mm. loves C word and wrote a really good defense of this, you know, a really good, uh, kind of take on it. Um, so we, we disagree with it and like, this is by no means, is it like the, I know a lot of people have come to a conclusion that this is good. Um, but it's not that simplicity of this really hurts it for me in a series that I consider to be smarter than that, you know? I think um, if it's going to be that simple, it has to be done perfectly, doesn't yeah. it? It has to be absolutely, like, you have to be able to see it through without feeling frustrated. Yeah. You yeah. have to feel it was worth it to get him to the boss fight yeah. and see the end of it, and you have to feel it was absolutely pitch perfect. Yeah, um, he's, the, he's the MPC equivalent of a mimic with a rusted coin in it. <laughs> like, it's a like, lot of effort for not adding up to very much yeah. I, I you know I, th- I think that simplicity can be good you know depending on the context yeah. another word yeah. for that it would be direct 
right? Like you want this to, you know, if, if it's going to be simple, it needs to take a direct line to whatever, whatever, whatever they're trying to evoke, right? Mm-hmm. This entire thing, you know, and I, I don't feel as strongly about this as you do, Gary. Um, but I think that it reflects very poorly on Dark Souls 3 NPCs as a whole, you know, it feels kind of like everybody's going through the motions or it feels like this entire thing is just kind of marking time. Like we need something mm-hmm. to fill this world and, you know, might as well have Sigmeyer here. And I can, I can, I can hear a voice or I can hear kind of a rebuttal to this to say, Hey, take dark souls three on its own terms. People sometimes brace against when we, you know, basically hold previous games against this one. Compare, I, yeah. yeah I, I think that, I think that it's a, it's a comparison that from is actively inviting. That's it's, what it's, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the premise of it here. And, you know, I'm going to be a caricature of myself and then go back to dark souls Two. dark souls Two, yeah. you know, didn't have any of the grand overarching quests really, you know, in, in, in as satisfying a way as the first one did. But like, you know, for as much as each individual person in dark souls one kind of had their own individual story, dark souls two had this incredibly resonant theme about people losing their identity and purpose. Everybody was a Sigmeyer, you know, it was like distributed, mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, 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 to a large degree across this as, as the process of hollowing kind of changed. And so even though those, those, those quests were mechanically unsatisfying, you know, you never got like this, you know, like no NPC defined a boss fight like this one does right here. You know, now we've done kind of a 180 around it. I wouldn't call this mechanically satisfying, but like, you have to look at the, you know, did they achieve what they set out to do? And then also you have to ask the question was what they set out to do enough? Like <laughs> was yeah. it worth doing? And just, it, it, it really does. It, it just comes back as a whiff, you know? So if this is simple and direct, it doesn't drive fast enough or hard enough to actually punch with as much force as I think a lot of people are ascribing to it. Again, let's, you know, layer this with totems of things that you remember and hope that you care. Yeah. Yeah. So it, the, it um... is, or, or go ahead, James. I apologize. I was just going to say the the wonderful Mike Will Lobos, previous guest. Uh, I, I've watched several of his streams where he just says, "Look, I'm not comparing these games. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take this game in its own terms. I don't want because he knows a Twitch chat is going to inevitably get into just you know shouting at one another. Essentially, mm-hmm. it's just going to get into shouting opinions at one another, and that's not really a conversation. What does it matter? Take the game. And, and he's not uh, being dictatorial about that. He just doesn't find that interesting. But I think. You're absolutely right, Your Cole. The, y- yes, you could say don't make the comparisons. The game makes the comparisons. <laughs> the, the game is made to make comparisons yeah. by retreading all of this stuff. And that may be a theme of the game. It may be a theme of the series. But it wasn't unknowing that they put in a Siegmeier yeah. cipher into this game. It yeah. wasn't unknowing mm-hmm. that they recreated uh, certain areas and certain um, boss fights and events from yeah. previous games. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna have it, use it. And they did. Yeah. And <laughs> and if you're if you're gonna do that, if you're going to show me something that I've mm. seen before, you have to uh, comment on the original in an interesting way. Yeah. Um. Or you know, subvert it or take it in a new direction. That is, it doesn't mm. have to be better necessarily, but it has to be interesting. You know, equally interesting. I would have accepted. Mm-hmm. You know, especially as, as a when way the original was already a subversion. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah absolutely. If you're already like, a subversion of an NPC quest. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it, it is much to make a player actually feel guilt for doing something that they think when they're doing something right. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. me thinking, you know, a lifetime of video games taught me that I should help Siegmeier when he's in trouble. Yeah. Action is better than inaction. And, yes. and you would get a reward from that. 
is the other thing in it taught every you. other video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then to have a video game say like, actually, you know what? Life is more complicated and messy than that. Have you considered this? <laughs> um, and then making me feel guilty for doing something that is in within the verb set of video games so elementally uh, is is really awesome. That is like a feat, you know, awesome in the definition of the word, like awe-inspiring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then just to be like, you know what? You can jump through a lot of hoops. And if you jump through a lot of hoops, you get this very nice cutscene where a character we've, you know, that you like gets to have like a kind of a bittersweet ending, mm-hmm. um, but gets to accomplish his miss- mission. Yeah. It's really, mon- it's very pedestrian for this company to do that. And it's not like, you know, in looking at all of the NPCs, like I don't think any of the NPCs are particularly great in this game. Um, they all have a problem that either is similar where I don't feel like they just, they don't add up to very much. Um, or they are retreading ground from previous NPCs, um, even kind of in their theming. Um, so it's just, it is something that I love about these games that's just gone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it reminds me a little bit of, and this is not, I, you know, it's not as, it's a worse problem here than it was in Bloodborne, but like the way Bloodborne handled equipment and there wasn't as much room for that kind of archaeology through equipment and storytelling through through items as there is, was in previous games was something I really love that was just gone. You know, like I'm, I'm poking every nook of this and I'm finding, you know, runes I'm never going to equip if I'm lucky, you know, uh, as opposed to being able to tell a story through the environment, uh, through finding things, which was a big thing in, in one and two, mm-hmm. that's just not really in bloodborne as much. Right. You know, it just, to take something I love of the game and strip it out is a real bummer. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's just disappointing, I think, is the is the overall thing about to bring it down. Like, yeah, just uh, again, if you're gonna if you're gonna bring it, use it. And yeah. they, and, they, and you can't uh, you can't be disappointed in something without loving it. Yeah. You know, like this doesn't come from a place of like hating these games. It comes from like expecting really great things from them because I love them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a it's not you know I'm not being violent to this thing you like. I'm I like it too. No, I mean we um, have everything to gain from from yeah, from, exactly. from from continuing to play and talk about this thing that you know we have this being, kind being of fraught relationship with. Was only only helped us. Yep, that, that's sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. You know, it is not. I, there, there are plenty of people. We, I don't doubt in my mind that we would have more listeners if we were more effusive about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's gross. Um, <laughs> it's gross to be dishonest. It's a sin to tell a lie. Yeah. Um, sure. no. uh, do we have any um, kind of wrap up thoughts? Or go, go ahead, James. The one quick thing I wanted to say, uh, which I guess is another kind of uh, sad near miss. Uh, so Yorm is essentially the king under the mountain um, mm-hmm. to, to to go straight to a very well-worn kind of uh, character trope, especially for anyone who's watched The Hobbit. In terms of he, he's the king who tried to do the right thing by his people. It backfired and he has lost who he is. So he's now just sat down there, this kind of tormented soul who know who in theory or at one time knew what the right thing to do was and has just drifted so far away from that and so in theory the end of secrets quest should be restoring that and so it's almost not bittersweet it's almost just a sweet ending to the quest um mm. which again kind of makes it a very uh, straightforward uh way to do it but the problem is you Yorn is Yorm is lonely. That's literally, you know, you said it. That's that's what we get about him. He's lonely and he's solitary, sat on a throne, not doing the thing he knows he should be doing. Mm. There's not much more to his character. You don't really understand why yeah. that's the case, or you know, so you don't get the kind of necessarily get the punch the air moment when Sigurd walks in there and kind of fulfills the promise he made. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, it's, it is just weird. There's, it seems like there's thematically, uh, and in terms of the, the word you use, pathos, so much more to be garnered from that relationship between yeah. those two characters that we just didn't get, even if you do fulfill the quest, mm-hmm. which isn't a guaranteed at all. It's a yeah. shame. I mean, and I can bring a lot to this. Like, I can look at that and, you know, impose my own depression onto it and say, like, yeah, yeah. Fill, fill in the yeah. <laughs> you know, just say, like, <laughs> no, I totally get it, Yorm. Like, shit went really bad, and you know what you have to do, but it's terrible, so it's better just to sit and sulk, because, you oh. know, just in any any action is going to be more painful than just, you know, sitting well, there in your own shit. Here's <laughs> the thing. Like, I don't I don't want to necessarily pop that bubble, bubble, but something that muddies that up is that Yorm is probably abyss-touched. Yeah. Well, so I mean, it's not even it's not even his reluctance because he doesn't recognize <laughs> Sigurd. He doesn't say anything. Yeah. He's got the red eyes. Like he's probably just but, sick. But, and again, because there's so because there's so little text here, maybe he became a touch because he gave sure. over to despair. That is that is his version of hollowing as this Lord of Cinder is. You know, kind of like giving over to almost this you know this sloth and indolence. You know that you know that that will. You know that evil will prey on, right? Yeah. You know, again, because there's no, no there because there's no text here. I can read as much of that into it, and I can make it into a nice little medium think piece. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like there, there is a way, you know. And I, I keep saying I won't keep saying it forever, but like that is <laughs> a lot of the kind of lore diving that I've seen does have, you know, more suppositions than I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. You know, and my favorite yeah. loresters that have come through um, during Dark Souls Three and during this kind of period in our lives have been the people who either, um, you know, don't say anything that isn't really supported, you know, who to kind of do like really good kind of takes on things like that. Um, or who just ask a lot of questions, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of like learning what the questions are based on this is really, uh, pretty good. And, and like I said, my favorite are the people, and this has always been the case. I've been the people who are like, I don't have anything to support this. This is just an idea. Maybe it's this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, real, real, you know, the, the, prof- the prof- profoundly disappointing capital. Um, but, you know, it kind of it sucks because the Earthhold Dungeon I like a lot as like a haunted house ride. Um, but, yeah, the profane capital, I think, is is pretty bad and, and the climax. And I'm really looking forward to next week where I get to read a thousand people saying that they love Sigurd and they cried. And then I get to just sit there and be the monster who, uh, you know, I'm not going to be a monster about it. But No, you just think that they're yeah. terrible for liking a bad thing. Exactly. Like, I, I don't think, it's not a monster. It's like a god. Like, <laughs> it, it is, no, it's... I don't think that at all. It's just uh, I recognize that this is not uh, not everybody's kind of take on this, but I had an emotional reaction. Yep. How dare you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, James, thank you so much for joining us. I really, uh, I really do appreciate it. This has been really fun. Yeah. It, um, it, it's, it's kind of fitting in a way. I, I've probably sounded more. I'm sure we've all sounded more negative than than some people would have liked, but uh, it's kind of fitting. This does feel like a little bit of a microcosm of how I've reacted to Dark Souls 3 as a whole in the kind of, what, seven months now, nearly six months since it was released. So uh, mm-hmm. so it's nice. In, in a way, it is entirely suitable that I was on for this uh, episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Got to do kind of Thank a wrap-up. Thank you very up. much, it's, uh, Of course. It's been yeah. really cool. And where can people find you online? Uh, so, well, the, the easiest thing uh, is to grab me on Twitter, at Carter, comma, J. Um, just spell it all out. You'll get there. <laughs> Um, but you'll you'll find me on uh, podcast form and in written form, occasional videos, I suppose, as well on uh, caneandrince.com. Uh, do go and check that out. Uh, thank you very much, guys, for the the hearty recommendations. It's, uh, it's oh, yeah. fantastic to know mm-hmm. that uh, we are appreciated in in kind of similar circles. Yeah. Um, but you can also find me um, 
because it will be live by the time this podcast goes out. Um, I've launched a website and small personal uh, podcast project called Retrofit, uh, which is a fitness podcast because I am not and I should be more. Um, so, so I'm kind of interviewing and talking to people and guests and kind of charting a, a bit of a course to be a bit healthier and healthier and fitter. Um, awesome. So, yeah, you can find that at retrofitpod.net and it's uh, at retrofitpod on Twitter as well. Awesome. Fantastic. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you, James. Yeah. It was a good time. Everybody go check out Kane and Rinse. Yeah, yeah, it is It is very good. And, and what a what a nice dude. <laughs> I like him a lot. Yeah. Um, so if we didn't scare you off, uh, there's some stuff you can do. Yes. <laughs> um, if you uh, if you like the show or if you want to, uh, you know, um, you can rate and review it on iTunes. If you want to send in uh, well-reasoned and civil responses mm-hmm. to that, you can do so at duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Yeah. Um, especially about the next area we are covering, which is Lothric Castle. Uh, no, it's actually going to be the Consume King's Garden. Yep, sorry. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, Consume King's Garden <laughs> and the Untended Graves. Untended? Yeah, so let's, uh, let, we'll do that. Um, yeah. So we're going to be doing that. I'm not sure exactly who we're going to be joined by just yet. Yep. But uh, we're um, working but on it. You can do that at uh, duckfeed.tv slash contact. Yes. Um, you can also support us at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash DuckBTV. Mm-hmm. Um, just to really quickly announce it, because a couple of people have asked, um, more details have come out about uh, what firms working on next, one of which is a spiritual successor to Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. So uh, all that talk of not getting a Bloodborne 2, it feels <laughs> like we're getting something like that. Yep. Um, you know, we had talked a little bit about on mic and off about uh, what might happen to the show. If uh, this actually is the end, it seems like it's not. So we do not have to worry about that yep, for this, now. This dance doesn't end. Yes, the uh, this train keeps running. And for those of you who are just like, you know, who feel like this season of Bonfire Side Chat is the Dark Souls 3 of Bonfire Side Chat, where <laughs> you're just crying, just ended already. Um, I am so excited to see them go in like a new direction mm-hmm. and do a new thing. Even if it is like one of the things people think it's going to be like Armored core, core with Souls mechanics. Yeah, or Armored um, Coal. Yeah. Armor, armored, armor, armored coal with sores mechanics. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just weeping. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, we've been recording for a while, and also uh, it's really easy if you don't wear that under jerking to get sores mechanics in your under your armored coal. Um, but even if it's that, which is you know I'm not super into robots. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's that, I am super excited to to see this mechanic in a new yeah. kind of setting. You know, I'm I'm pretty psyched, honestly. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so uh, yeah. more details, I assume. Like, I, I guess this is something we're going to see at E3 next year. Like, we have uh, we have a lot of empty time. I guess I don't I don't know what the well, what, we, what the schedule is for that. We have we have zero empty time between all the because uh, a thousand indie Souls likes came out. Yeah. So that's like that's <laughs> that's that, that's gonna that's gonna cover that's gonna cover less time than we think. I think. You think so? <laughs> yeah. I can I can think of. I mean, depending on how, what we want to do, and I'm not saying mm-hmm. we have to do all of those, but I can think of like six or seven, hmm. you know, like that will, and several of them would take, like, we can't do Salt and Sanctuary in an episode. No. There are like too many bosses, you know, so that'll be three episodes. What is this, month. an interface for ants? Um. <laughs> <laughs> We've been recording for so long. Yeah, the, um, yeah so it is, uh, you know, there'll, there'll be things to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think. And if not, you know, we can, we'll figure something out. There's always uh, Kingsfield too. Um, 
which is a real sigh for a game that's pretty good. No, no, um, no. I, I laughed. It was. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, there's, uh, there's lots of stuff we can do. <laughs> yeah, Metal Wolf Chaos, man. Especially if they're going into Armored Core Souls. Yeah, um, man. Fuck. Figuring out a way to play Metal Wolf Chaos. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, just it just emulates. Like you just patch Does it. it? Really? It's a PS2 emulator. Yeah. No, I, I thought um, it was Xbox. It was my. Um, I think there's a PS2 version of it. Oh shit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's definitely playable online. Like people have played it. Well, um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm down. I'm down to clown. Yeah, that's that sounds great to me. Um, yeah. So anywho, uh, if you like this, you want to see the series continue. You want to see what happens with the next. You know how our take on that. Um, you want to see us dredge up souls likes and old from games and stuff to talk about. Um, Patreon is the best way to support us. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com forward slash Chuck TV. Yeah. A um, couple of things here. We're going to be in Portland. Uh, we mentioned this a couple times um, uh, over the uh, uh, Portland Retro Games Expo, doing a live watch out for fireballs. But you know, we're you know, we're going to be there along with a uh, with with a bunch of other network people. Um, that is October the uh, the twenty first, twenty second, and twenty third, I believe, mm-hmm. um, in uh, Portland, Oregon. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, additionally, we have a uh, we have a PO box. If anybody's curious about that, you want to send us postcards from your travels. Um, if you've gone anywhere over the summer, that is uh, PO box two seven one zero five, Cincinnati, Ohio four five two two seven. Just just address it to uh, to either Cole or to DuckBeat.tv. Um mm-hmm. and, and it should work. This is so we're getting so many envelopes full of people cares that we are getting <laughs> sick of them just coming directly to our house because it. It created a lot of questions with our wives and families, so <laughs> we um, had to get the PO box. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's probably about all we got going mm-hmm. on. We still have some recording. We're going to read your responses here. So we'll see you guys in a week. Um, what should they do until next time, Cole? Um, well, remember that today's lost are tomorrow's conquerors. That is true. Yeah. We all pray that we will have far more soon. It sounded like you were going to say, it sounded like you said, today's lost or tomorrow's conquers. <laughs> and that is, that is a fur day too far. Like I, I can't handle that. A fur day too far sounds like a conquer version of falling down. Just, just, just because we had, uh, had James on doesn't mean we had to start getting into to rare platformers, okay? <laughs> Like, <laughs> I'm getting mush mouthed. All right. No, no, no I mean, me too. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. <clears throat>